Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It is week 89. It's um, James Jones's number. Sure. I Absolutely. Even, I don't know. I'm not sure he's in the league anymore. But it's also, we're now over the halfway point. Yeah. Yeah, we did that last week or last week got us to halfway. Last week would have been exactly halfway. Yeah. So we're yeah. we're in the second half now. Hell yes good well you know uh, um, it's the only good news about this week though <laughs> yeah it's fun hey everybody not a good crop it wasn't the best um set of episodes they didn't let us return any that we couldn't mix and match these are the ones that they gave us so yeah if you sat back and you said i i wonder what week is a pretty good week for star trek it's probably week 89 you were wrong yeah sorry you shouldn't go yeah. and um just bet on black next time i guess that's what I've heard you should always do. Is yeah. that Passenger 57? Like that could be. I don't, yeah. I don't know a lot of the cool expressions. Well, listen. Last week, uh, our favorite of the Star Trek's Voyager, mm. with our one of our very favorite characters, Harry Kim, <laughs> did come last place. Now, I'm not saying that it's a bad show. I'm just saying. Oh, okay, that's nice. It was fourth place last week. That means the way we do this, we're going to start by talking about Voyager. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not going to play the clip, you coward? Uh, this week we watched... Well, I'm, I'm not going to play that clip, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am a coward. Have some courage. Have the courage to admit your mistakes. <laughs> or are you a low Listen, you have full editing control. You could do whatever you want. I'm going to make it the new um, intro. I'm going to make that the part where we're supposed <laughs> to warn people about foul language. It's just going to be that. <laughs> this week, we watched Unforgettable. Is that a Go-Go's? Yeah, it's the Go-Go's. Yeah, Let's forget that. that day by the Go-Go's. I wish I could forget this day that I'm about to talk about. Harry Kim is throwing seven under the bus because he's bitter he didn't get it in on day one. Um, when the ship gets all shaky, seven detects two cloaked ships engaged in combat. One explodes and the other hails Chaco personally asking for help. Credits. Hey, this, is the, this is the opposite of Worf's trouble from last week, huh? Yes. It's two cloak ships show up and want to fight each other right in front of Voyager. Why would that happen? Uh, this lady's ship. 
is in bad shape and they can't beam her. So Chaco takes an away. T- Sorry, did I say it was a lady that hailed him personally? It was a lady. Um, yeah. They can't beam her, so they Chaco takes an away team and they, they want to stabilize her ship and put it in tow. He rescues a lady with some alien ears and otherwise looks very much like Virginia Madsen. <laughs> in sick bay, the late. Do you think she said, please don't put any makeup all over me? Now, they do this every once in a while when they want the um, <clears throat> the alien to be the love interest. They kind of oh. leave the face alone. Okay. I thought maybe she had settled for, like, they came to a, an understanding on ears. They're like, how about ears? Uh, well, so in the notes, they said, uh, we had done a lot of foreheads this season, so we thought we'd do some ears. Good to know. Um, but then I was like, I don't really remember what Ocampa ears look like. Is this lady a different Ocampa? They were Ocampa adjacent, for sure, yeah. these ears. Uh, they were kind of like an Ocampa, but also like Paylor Toff's nostrils. They had, yeah, they had some, some flutes and some... Um, some little water slides and stuff. That's the kind of flute I meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he rescues uh, he rescues the lady with the alien ears, and then in sick bay, the lady asks for asylum. She doesn't provide much in the way of details, but Janeway agrees for the time being. Um, she very slowly reveals some of these details to Chaco. She said she dropped by a month ago and stayed for <laughs> several weeks. I don't know what that means, but <clears throat> it is very clear that at no point in her escape attempt that we're about to learn about, did she think about what she was going to tell these people? <laughs> she has not planned this out. Well, she should just blurt it out then. She takes us on a real slow journey to get the details on this one. Uh, anyway, no one can remember these fuckers, but she says that's like their biology. People just can't can't wrap their minds around them they're too great probably um she came to voyager a month ago to chase down a runaway from her society her very uh closed society that i guess sometimes people try to escape from and get hunted down uh and she fell in love with chaco now she's a runaway as well and needs protection i guess she came back for love Anyway, um, Chaco is suspicious, which seems smart, and he orders a full investigation to determine if her story checks out. Uh, Chaco takes the lady to dinner, and she lets us have some flashbacks, finally, of when she first came on board and got caught by Chaco, because she was, like, skulking around with a a personal cloaking device or something. But it, it was love at first sight or something. Chaco helpfully asks questions like, What happened next? (laughs) <laughs> that way we can get more exposition. It's true. He's a real team player. Then the ship shakes again and she falls against him. It's romance. It's a romance story. Anyway, the guys that she's running from have caught up and they're shooting the shit out of Voyager. The lady helps them defend themselves and the bad guys run away. And she says uh, she wants a one-way trip to the Alpha Quadrant. And she and Chakotay go off to, I don't know, fix their sensors so they don't have trouble with these uh, tracers, they're called. These bounty hunters catching them again. The lady says sex stuff to Chaco, and he goes to talk to Neelix about it. Neelix tells him, it's not that you don't trust this lady, it's that you don't trust yourself. Yeah, it's the fifth time Neelix had told someone that that day, <laughs> and, but this time it took. Did he, Did Chaco tell him right away it took, or 
I hope Neelix finds <laughs> out that he was right about this one. I too, I too hope so. We'll see at the end if uh, Neelix was right. The the lady. Uh, by the way, I don't know if they've mentioned her name yet. I'm sure they have. Um, she comes to see Chaco in the night. It is uh, her name. It is one of those uh, Gorgon things where Janeway knows her name, but we never see a scene where Janeway good. learns her name. That's good. When she she calls Chakotay and Kellen to the bridge. All right, I wasn't as confused as I was in the Gorgon situation when I went. Wait a minute, what? Did I miss? Why are you afraid to show it? your true form, Gorgon? <laughs> what? It's like I must have missed. I think I slept through a scene because I don't remember that. I would remember Gorgon. Um. <laughs> uh, Anyway, as always, this when she comes to see him, it becomes an ice cream party. You know Star Trek. Um, yeah. <laughs> no other culture has fucking ice cream, and they all love it. Apparently. I love the unwritten conceit that only humans invented ice cream. And they know it because they show it to everybody. And everyone's like, this is extremely good, though. This is the. I wasn't really that sold on the rest of everything you were saying about Starfleet, but this fucking ice cream's a banger. To be fair, Wesley tries pudding once, and it's pretty successful. <laughs> so maybe it's the desserts. Uh, maybe all of the Federation is the sweet city. Maybe we'll meet a sweets prince. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sweet o' night? <laughs> I made Katie watch two episodes of that distressing Could she show. handle it? Uh... You know, she has not ever said, hey, let's watch more of that. So, I mean, she made it through. It gets to some pretty wild fucking places. Uh, she didn't, she didn't, she definitely didn't get to eating eclairs in front of his passed out mom. No, or how about taking that kid's sweets virginity? Probably <laughs> didn't get to that either. Um, anyway. Oh, I wish they'd make more. They eaten that ice cream. There are more flashbacks. Um, Chaco helped her nab a probably innocent runaway a month ago or whatever. And it was so fucking hot. The memory it of is, it makes this lady get in Chaco's lap. It is definitely the case that Chicote is just like, yeah, that sounds like me. I would, wouldn't be concerned about this guy trying to escape his... Uh, <laughs> yep, his oppressive society. His oppressive society. I wouldn't have any qualms about uh, hitting him with a fucking neuralizer. And Do you want me to shoot him? him? I'll shoot him. Yeah. Um, Chaco asks Tuvok to consider this lady for security work. Uh, then she helps Harry and Seven in astrometrics, but when she leaves, we get a conversation between Seven and Harry. That's about Chaco and the alien, but it might also be about Harry and Seven. Who, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, the lady thinks she notices somebody following her, and then she goes to her quarters and finds a hella broken face. <laughs> <laughs> and then an agent decloaks and shoots her with, uh, Oh, memory eraser beam or something. She says it's a warning, but like, uh, it seems unprofessional to leave a warning. <laughs> yeah, like, bro, are you hiding or not? Because you left like <laughs> nine individual shards of vase, like carefully placed. You didn't even smash that thing around the room. He spelled out hide with it. It was weird. <laughs> uh, they capture that guy, but. It's too late. She had her memory all zapped. And she's in sickbay, losing her super important Chaco memories. Chaco goes to see the agent in the brig, but that guy's not very helpful. And then uh, Chaco goes back to see Kellen, and she has indeed lost all of her memories. Chaco says that they're lovers and that she should stay, but she says no, and she leaves with the tracer. Um, Chaco is 
fearful of losing her memories because like i said in the beginning she's just gonna forget that shit they got they got uh pheromones or something yeah and um and with the computer being wiped and everything he writes down a record of her with a pencil or something and then uh bartender neelix says love is the greatest mystery of all that was the sixth time he'd said that that day Hmm, that's a lot to think about. What did you think about when you were thinking about this? Well, Ben says the message of this episode is love is the greatest mystery <laughs> of all. And then he specifically thanks Neelix for that. Yep. Um. Boy, I don't know, huh? I guess it's like um, love stinks. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, there could have been a little story in here. I'm mad that there wasn't. About what it means to like delegate medical authority to someone or rescind a medical directive or something because like she definitely tells Chakotay to protect her and to remember what she wanted like and if then like if he all goes this to see her 12 minutes in and they had time to do this part uh-huh exactly yeah. and then there could have been some discussion about you know this is what you wanted before you were shot with a fucking memory eraser mm-hmm. and also another thing that goes completely undiscussed is as soon as she gets the fucking brainwiped, she wants to go back to her society and pay for her crime. And it's like, does that mean this was entirely about Chakotay? Yep. <laughs> this was not something, this was not like you finally got burned out tracking down all these people who were just trying to get away. Mm. This is this was not some part of you that might reemerge in a couple of minutes if we just give it a little time. Now, it's all right. Ah, fuck it. You can just go. <laughs> it's, um... I have lots and lots and lots to say about this lady's motivation and maybe some things that Chaco could have said to her. So there could have been a story there yeah. if they had just, um, you know, cut a couple of flashbacks, sped some shit up. Maybe we just fucking start at the point where they're already in love if we're going to do a bunch of stuff happen that we didn't see. Yeah. And um, and they don't do that. No one cares. Not even Chakotay. So uh, what are we left with in this episode except a question about why people do or don't fall in love? Yeah. The idea that, hey, love is like fucking lightning and you never know when it's going to strike. And uh, yeah, you guys fell in love two times, but she didn't fall in love with you the third time. So mm. uh, who who could say, man? And isn't that the great thing about love? And um, I don't know what to do with that. That's nothing. <laughs> That's one point. <laughs> uh, it's weird. Um Ben and I were on the exact same page, both in take and in score. So I also had love as the greatest mystery of all three points. Um, so I went with Neelix's take because I couldn't follow any of these other threads through to a real conclusion. Um, I guess it was saying, without seeing Beefcake Chaco in cool action, this lady said, <laughs> uh, 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 no thanks. But Chaco fell in love twice because both times a reasonably attractive lady said she wanted to eat his butt or whatever. Yeah. Love is a mystery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe Chicote's not that deep. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's not. It's not amazing. Um, we know he liked to push it with both Seska and Bolana, so I mean Yeah, wait, do we know that he thought I maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe Bolana just had the Bellana. the desires yeah. about him. The Klingon desires. Uh, she prefers Klingon <laughs> ones. Oh, fuck. I guess we can move on to execution here. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. It was an episode with an alien of the week. Uh, A TOS-style love interest of the week. 
with a perfect species band-aid built in, so nothing in this episode will ever matter again. Oh, boy. And all it was about was, isn't love weird, though? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a bad combination of things in this episode. It really, really is. Um, Chaco's entire pitch to Kellen in the end is botched from the start. Rather than anything about, like, the oppressive regime and, like, I don't know, the fact that they had to come and get you and erase your memory should probably tip you off that you don't want to go back with these dudes. Like, those are things he should probably start saying, but he just says, But we're in love! And that probably creeped her out and sent her running for the transporter pad with this tracer. She certainly slow plays it with him in a way that he doesn't with her. Mm Mm-hmm. These writers make Seven say the sci-fi line. Commander Chakotay's face became flushed when he spoke with her. What does that signify? <laughs> that way we know there's a romance in the air. You know that and the romance themes they play every time they're together. And the lady announcing she's in love with him in the first act. Then they make Seven say it again in the back half of the episode. But about the lady. Yep, and have a conversation with Harry about it. Despite all of that. There have been worse Voyager episodes. I gave it a three. Um, ben is a three also. He says, you know, uh, this one's a big Chakotay episode. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, they sent the wrong away team over to the ship. He la- Nothing about the pheromones makes sense. He laughs when it says this lady's from a forgettable race, which is yeah. how we will remember this. Um, yeah, supposedly this lady spent several weeks on Voyager, but there's no record, so I guess Shemalis is not effective. Hey, um, I guess they're better at cleaning shit up than the the Enterprise was in Clues, huh? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> no one. This is not a Clues. No one thinks twice. I mean, I guess there's no confusing M-class planets or wormholes or anything, but um, like they don't know anything until this lady shows up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a three, he's a three, I'm a three. If you're going to do two tiny flashbacks, mm-hmm. don't do flashbacks at all. Okay. The, we get we get nothing out of seeing them because they're for our benefit, not Chakotay's. He doesn't remember any of this. Right. So showing us the flashbacks means this is just for us. It means nothing to him. She is just explaining to him what happened during this time, presumably. Mm-hmm. And she could also just be explaining it to us. I agree. We don't know whether it's anything is true anyway. It's like, there's no reason for us to care about these fucking flashbacks. It's pretty dumb yes. that this species has pheromones that work on people from 70,000 light years away. <laughs> yep. But it's both dumb and unnecessary that they block tricorder scans. Uh-huh. Especially if the whole thing is going to wrap up with a computer virus that erases all records. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like, what's the point of the tricorder not working? Is it so that they can't use the tricorder to find the other dude? But he's cloaked, so we don't need that either. Also... So it is. It's it is so stupid... That it's distracting. That the fucking pheromones prevent <laughs> the tricorder from working. Yep. Oh, they came and fully loaded. And it serves loaded. no purpose. They came fully loaded with Band-Aid this week. They went, no, we're just going to say no. Every time yeah. someone in the room says, but wait a minute, couldn't they detect him? You just go, nope. No, they could not. <laughs> also, Chakotay writes himself that letter at the end, but like, 
is he going to read it to himself every day or is he just going to spill some spaghettios on it one day and go, what's that? And throw it away. Because if he's going to forget this stuff anyway, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, even worse, that might be the beginning of a clue situation. He might read that letter, bring it to the captain and be like, we have to go back. Yeah. Like, why not? I hope he wrote on the letter, please don't go back together. (laughs) I'm just letting you know, Chaco, that this happened. Please don't go back and try to get her again. So, it's a three. This one's this one ain't great. This ain't great at all. No, it's not a great episode. But world building. Mm, there must be so much. This is a literal hard reset. Yeah. What world building happens here? Uh, that pens got thick and stubby in the future? Like everything, it got bigger and bulkier. I mean, that that's it, right? The only thing we see is his weird pen at the end of the episode. Everything else, he's going to forget. Voyager's going to forget. It doesn't matter. Yes. We're never going to see this species again. I they have the perfect excuse. They're not They're not allowed to leave their fucking planet. So forget it. Forget it. We're never going to hear, hear or see these guys again. I gave it zero points for world building. <laughs> nice. Ben gave it a three somehow. He said uh, some stuff about Chaco, but it doesn't really seem to get... Oh, it's characterization. He said, in the flashback, we see her with a personal cloaking device. Um, these people, apparently they're one of these aliens that are like, we have this advantage or we have this thing about us. So all of our tech's going to go that direction or whatever. So like they got Mm -hmm. the cloaking devices, the personal cloaking devices, the fucking computer viruses. Uh, they got all this shit that's like going to make it so no one can ever remember them again. And that's their whole deal. For me, it was just a one almost everything in the episode is about these Delta Quad ding-dongs um, that we're never going to see again. Again, Star, I have in here world building, Starfleet always shows aliens their fancy ice cream. <laughs> it's like yep. fucking trick number one. Voyager got two computer viruses from these guys. What yeah. happens when they run the best adware removal program they can find in that part of space? It's a good question. <laughs> like, are they going to be like, oh, wait a minute. We just recovered a lot of sh- Wait, what? Hold on a second. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, mostly it's hard to think of anything that's going to matter next week from this, from this fucking episode. So just a one for me. Uh, characterization. <sighs> Harry is all nervous and dumb still about working with Seven. I can't believe this is still going on because last week he seemed like he was kind of sick of her. <laughs> At the start of this one, too. That's right. He's throwing her under the bus when this thing starts. Uh, he's a sensitive boy and he needs to get to know a lady before he can play a fucking hot clarinetto duetto <laughs> with her. <laughs> That's Italian. <laughs> it sure is. Um. Shmolas hasn't been a big part of this season, and I'm glad. In this one, he tells a joke that nobody cares about, and then he seems real sulky about it. Chaco doesn't even look at him, and he, like, fucking crawls away. Janeway doesn't know why Chaco is so suspicious of this lady. I guess because she doesn't remember Fresca, and she sucks at her job. Yeah. She's like, yeah, let's just, I don't know, take it at face value, why not? Like last week, Tuvok ain't here to gossip. Is it possible I can think Tuvok is awful at his job, but also realize that's probably exactly who I'd end up hanging out with on Voyager? (laughs) 
Cause you'd like, just be blood trying to play Calto with him and shit. Well, because like I, I'm just trying to do my work and go home. <laughs> and he seems like that's what he's into. And so I feel like it would be kind of a natural friendship. Uh, but then he tells a joke later, and it's not a good joke. So maybe he's not as good a hang as I thought. Like, don't tell jokes if you can't handle the responsibility, my guy. Yeah, you can't, don't walk it back. Yeah. It's, uh, not great. Just go... Ah, you get it. <laughs> you get jokes. I don't have to tell you. Uh, Chaco hated everything Neelix served for dinner. The lady made sure to point out that every item on the plate Chaco hated. Yeah. He might be having a hard time on that ship. Uh, Chaco buys into this lady when she saves Voyager from the bad guys. He doesn't e- He doesn't even like pudding. No, he likes Because nothing. he says it's slimy? <laughs> As opposed to, like, what you, you want out of a pudding, like, with a, with a real fucking bite to it, you know? <laughs> Something you can chew on. Uh, apparently, you can flirt Chaco into a corner so he hunts down refugees and runaways for your repressive regime. <laughs> That's, That's not... wild. It's not, it's not a good look. A good look for uh, our boy Chaco. Poor Neelix. Chaco just says, make me some relaxing tea. And then Neelix has to go figure that shit out. Like, I wouldn't have any idea, especially if I was really only a junk trader. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is all uh, plants. I, um, hey, we're so far out of uh, out of the part of space that I know about that I've been making up names for shit <laughs> for two years. You guys have not noticed. I'm actually using the name generator from Legend of Mana. You guys didn't notice the last time, but I called it... Uh, I called it a Gunner T. Gunner's just a name of you can be Gunner in the game. I was I was using the random name generator. <laughs> I just hit like, random. Oh. I just loaded up and hit random. Um, and then I listened to that Swedish song once or twice. <laughs> Boy, um, a three for me. It's not good. Not a good one. Uh, I mean Ben's a three. <sighs> Chicote likes dirty talk. <laughs> but it's, boy, it's all boy. It's just all about boy. It's just all about Chicote. Yeah, from he's, from he notes. says that he's horny right away. Maybe bring up his tension with Janeway or his betrayal at the hands of that Cardi B. I see what he did there. <laughs> I get it. I get, I get it. it. You get it. Oh boy, Car- Cardassians seem like they they wouldn't have the the W one, <laughs> right? Seems like it'd be more D, huh? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> just they seem real scaly. Anyway, hmm. uh, it's a, it's not even a three for me. It's just a two. Uh, Seven doesn't understand romance. No. And Harry Kim has no idea how to explain it to her and does a really, really poor job. Of he it. still also, needs someone to explain it to him. I think that's the answer. Yeah. He's also very sick of working with her. Like you said, it's a fucking bummer when we learn that Jacote just cheerfully helped her hunt down this guy who was trying to escape. <laughs> With no explanation. They don't, obviously they don't have time because of all the romance to explain what the hell, like what was his frame of mind here? Was he like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Or was he just straight fucking pee whipped? They do it. And not only that, but the second time when she's like, after we use the neuralizer on him, he was ready to go home. Mm-hmm. Chicote doesn't go, wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, we used the what? What did we use? Well, I didn't hold, use hold it, on. right? <laughs> do you want to um, 
Do you mean you fucking brainwashed him into going home <laughs> you with a brainwash gun? You literally shot him with the brainwasher, and then he—I helped you do that. That doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like me. Neelix, can you come over here and settle something for us? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me if this sounds like me. <laughs> uh, so that sucks. The only reason this gets any points at all, I guess, is uh, because Janeway sort of makes it Chakotay's call whether to trust her or not. Like she makes him, there's that moment where she makes him make the call on the bridge, mm-hmm. whether they're going to go to bat for this woman. Is that her testing him? Is she like, are we going to do this? Or are you going to be with this bitch? I look, I don't know what it is, but uh, at least it seemed like she was delegating a command decision and seeing it through. I don't know. Like it seemed like she was doing something. Sure. Uh, Tuvok was maybe trying to make a joke, but then he got ashamed and tried to walk it back. That sucked. <laughs> he uh, couldn't handle it. <laughs> Don't, too hot for don't, too spicy for him yeah, after he made that joke. Don't get into it if you can't. If you can't see it through. So that's <laughs> so, horrible. So just a two for me. Chaco should have said to him, you know, I was with you when you told a bad joke, but I'm not with you now. Like <laughs> what you just did was reprehensible. <laughs> oh quick ones. Yeah. 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 Um uh, ben liked Virginia Madsen in this. She said that she made up for Chakotay's flat acting. Uh, he also thought they took an interesting shot from Harry Kim's station at the back of the bridge. You know, I had um, seen Virginia Madsen in like one other thing, and that other thing was um, Candyman featuring my boy T Todd. Oh yeah, and uh, she is very, very, very flat in that, and I didn't like her much more in this. In this, I was like, eh, it's not really her fault. She's, look what she's working against. Fucking Beltran. <laughs> what are you going to do with this guy? Like, but in the other one, like, she had scenes with T-Todd and she was still flat. And it's like, wow. You can't work against Mr. Tony Todd, then there's something wrong with you. Anyway. We know he brings out the best in people. That's right. <laughs> look what he did to Nick Cage. Uh <laughs> Neelix uh, has a whole basket of Buddha's hands. In this one. <laughs> that's true we, we just, just talked about, about it last week there they are uh directed by andrew robinson aka garrick not his best effort i think come on jort jesus <laughs> uh now some bigger questions in what sane world would janeway allow a computer virus to be placed in her ship right how can this guy possibly have leverage to get them to agree to it? They have captured this guy. He is in their jail. Yeah. He has no ship. They leave on her ship. Her busted ship. I mean... They know how to detect these idiots. They don't seem like they're capable of actually putting up a fight. Is it just so that they're like... What's the fucking leverage here? Is it like, well, I guess we keep helping you out. We keep helping you track down bad guys, so I guess we're in it. I guess we're in it with you. Yeah, is Janeway like, if this shit's in the computer every five weeks, someone's going to be like, hey, did that happen? <laughs> like, who who does she think is going to be doing it. this fucking deep dive? Yeah. Uh, incidentally, it is wild that this week we have two stories w- where only one character of a pair remembers a relationship and that hinders the trust of the other one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, you said you'd only seen Virginia Madsen in Candyman, but this old girl was in some monks and a couple of Frasers also. So, oh, I guess I uh, I probably technically saw her in the Frasers yeah. then. 
her face was familiar to me, even though I probably, you know, I did not go, oh, that's uh, from Frasier. <laughs> that's what's uh, three not Frasier's Bulldog, not Bulldog, monks. but the other one. What's, uh, yeah. oh boy, not Bulldog, though. The, <laughs> what's the name of the real was... dog? What's the name of the dad's dog? Was she said who she is? Eddie. Not Eddie, not Bulldog. No, no, no. <laughs> Ross, right? <laughs> um, is it because this episode was filmed in 1996 or whatever that Harry Kim can't think to tell Seven that not all relationships are focused on procreation? Or are we supposed to think that Harry Kim barely gets it? I don't know if they wrote him to not get it or if they didn't get it. As always, that's the difficult thing to determine. Did the writers not understand what should be done there or does Harry Kim, the character, not understand? Yeah, it's no way to tell. Well, we could ask him. Can't trust the writers. There's just no way to tell. Let's ask Garrett. All right. I'll call him. <laughs> uh, Neelix is a fur-wearing barbarian. Why is he shocked to see someone using a ballpoint pen? His ship was probably full of grubby little notes everywhere. I don't remember. Maybe in the pilot we see that he's got a lot of post-it notes just fucking I, stuck all Don't over. you imagine that he's got a lot of like... <laughs> he's got like his passwords and shit. Uh, he wrote something on a piece of paper with a pencil and then tape, put clear tape over it to tape it to something so that it wouldn't get rubbed away. Right. Like that's the button that flushes the toilet into space or whatever. This button used to be the toilet button, but I've got this. See, I, got I had this. to remap it. Yeah, I yeah. got this sticker here so I know this is now the toilet button. This is the yes, new toilet button. I know I should cover up the old one that says toilet. I've got a system. It works. Uh, I give best actor to Neelix probably. And for worst actor, Chakotay's half-hearted pitch at the end wouldn't have worked on someone in love with him. <laughs> what i'm saying he doesn't really give anything he just kind of goes so uh you know we're in love and uh life of her love's pretty special and uh <laughs> he's like checking his watch yeah it's like mm. yes it's one way to do it what do you got what do you got for quick hitters mm. why doesn't Chaco bring an engineer to this lady's ship when they need to stabilize it and put it in tow Oh, he's got Tom Paris. That guy has Grease Monkey. Hella wrenches on stuff. I hope it's. I hope he's going to install a carburetor in it. That's the last thing that I heard him say about cars. Uh, the end of this walk and talk between Tuvok and Chicote is brutal. It's like one of those TV phone conversations we always make fun of, where they <laughs> just go, uh huh, and then they hang up. <laughs> Uh -huh. Tuvok says, have a report to Astrometrics at 1300 hours. Then they both immediately bolt in opposite directions, and Tim Rust looks startled by how fast the conversation <laughs> ended. Like, he was expecting that they were going to have to reshoot that because they just didn't get it right. But then, no, there was no reshoot. That's the scene. No, no, no. They just, like, Finny goes, have a report to Astrometrics at 1300, and they both just fucking sprint away from each other. <laughs> um... Was Neelix's outfit unusually ugly in this one? Because I hated it. I did not take any notes, but his outfits usually are pretty bad. It was like it was like a tie-dye shirt, but if you like zoomed out. No, if you zoomed in so that there was only like three different pattern locations on the outfit. Like it was the size of the patches on an actual cow. Right, Col yes. color patches on an actual but they were like cow. pink and green or something yeah and then like you pointed out a uh, another jort joint <laughs> in this one so brought to you by jort <laughs> uh 
Uh, that's it. That's plenty for this piece of crap. Well, cool. Uh, third place last week was Deep Space Nine. Mm. This week we watched Hard Time. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. I have only one thing to say to that, and it's let's perp. <laughs> O'Brien is hella old and in jail. Wild hair and beard and all that. Some aliens come in and tell him his sentence is complete. He's done 20 fat cycles for espionage, but it's time to go. He doesn't want to, but they're kicking him out. He wakes up on a bed in a cave. Because <laughs> I guess that's where they do this. It's like in the same space. It, Which is weird when you consider how sophisticated the rest of what's happening must be. That they were like, we have to do it in the room. We built the cave set. Uh, he wakes up and Kira is there along with the aliens he saw in his, I guess, dream. They tell him that he spent a fake 20 years in jail for his crime. Uh, all fucking Oculus Rift and shit. And he says it was real to him. It was real to him. Credits. Cisco explains to Keiko that uh, O'Brien asked too many questions and they decided he was a spy and punished him on the spot. He does the exposition here. Uh, Kira and O'Brien get back to DS9 and he gets to meet Julian again. And he starts giving us the jail flashbacks, but he lies and tells Julian he was alone the whole time, but we immediately see him with another prisoner in their cell. <laughs> Actually, let me do this one quick. <laughs> This is a story about O'Brien trying to adjust to life after a long prison sentence and also dealing with the guilt of what he did while he was in there, even though it was fake. Yeah. He had a cellmate. They got pretty close because, obviously, it was just the two of them. Yeah, his cellmate was a pretty pretty decent dude, pretty chill, not a member of any white supremacist gang that O'Brien was aware of. That's right. He eventually killed him. He kills this other guy over a misunderstanding about food, and then he f feels like a real animal about it. So he doesn't really have a smooth reintroduction to the real world. He keeps seeing the guy everywhere, like hallucinating, and he keeps talking to the guy that he killed in fake jail. And um, he flashes on people, and Cisco relieves him of duty. He shouts at Molly. It's a bummer. Eventually he grabs a phaser and turns it up to a million and is yeah. gonna blow his head off and probably most of the station away behind him. <laughs> DS9 is so dark and gritty, dude. He's just gonna do it. He puts it fucking right up under his chin. Mm -hmm. uh, Bashir finds him, and O'Brien finally admits his great crime in fake prison. Bashir talks him down, and O'Brien agrees to take injections and see the counselor he's been avoiding the whole episode. And we're told this healing will take time. <laughs> That's what we're told. Find out next week. The end. Like that's it. That's the episode. Um What was this one about to you? Yeah, well, it's Ben's pick of the week, so let's start with oh, him. Sure. His take is hardship cannot take your humanity unless you let it. And for him that's a 5. I guess O'Brien let it. I guess he let it. <laughs> 
That's tough. Uh, for me, the this episode, the message of this episode is to uh, just like just let people help you. Okay. It seems like something we really should have moved past by O'Brien's time, but he's like he's so ashamed of this whole mess. He doesn't want to see the counselor. Mm-hmm. Even Cisco's like, I wish I could let you just walk this one off, but you know, Bashir won't let me. Yep. But no one in the show really helps him with this or shows him the other side. It's like it's pretty depressing how bad all his friends are. And wife, this. friends and wife. Friends and wife. Yeah. So like I don't know. Maybe we need a message that it's okay to seek help and go to therapy or whatever, but like I don't know why O'Brien needs it. It seems like he shouldn't need it. The ship's counselor sat on the bridge in TNG. It seemed like it was pretty normal for them. Yeah. That people wouldn't be like, I don't want to see no damn counselor. It's true, but you remember the weird head games he plays with Keiko in The uh, the Wounded. Well, I did remember the weird head games he played with Keiko in The Wounded, and we will talk <laughs> yeah, about it. Because I think he might not necessarily be as I, well-adjusted as most people in this I think that there is, you're correct that there is evidence from that episode that he is less well-adjusted than the what we would consider the 24th century standard. Yeah. But it's like, in that case, everyone else should be like, what's going on? <laughs> also, Why they should be like, you go to counseling. You know him. You know what this guy's like. <laughs> this is going to be a bad fucking time. There should be a scene where uh, Cisco says to Bashir, I know that. I could do that. You could do that. But O'Brien? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's too far. Yep. No, they save those we'll for... See. We'll see how that lands in ethics. But... <laughs> I, was gonna, so, I was just about to say they save those comments for people of different species. I guess so. <laughs> so, look, I, the message is okay. It, it, they don't do an amazing job on it, but... I gave it a four. Okay. Um, I was a little bit higher. I gave it a six with prison doesn't reform people. It ruins them. And I guess that was for the 10 people left alive who think that incarceration has existed for any reason other than punitive measures. And of course, profit. Um, Definitely a weird horror prison simulation in which the guards randomly withhold food and do other tortures yeah. yeah well we know that real prison ain't uh amazing given the uh private nature of most of them um so anyway i'm okay with this take it, to me it doesn't go far enough like it doesn't come out and say let's do a better thing than this it just kind of talks about what happened to him afterward so it was just a six for me um okay (laughs) yeah how did they execute on this episode matthew how is this not supposed to mess him up forever (laughs) next week when he's a hundred percent a-okay are we just supposed to think he's putting on like a brave face but really he's emotionally crippled inside it's a fuck it's a real fucking bummer because uh so far we haven't seen Worf say fucking thing one about kern Uh uh-huh Right? Yeah, the brother hey, he sent sucked. away. Yeah. Um, it's honestly such a wild thing for them to do to a main character if they're never gonna address it again. I agree, and that's the assumption that I have is that this is just—it's just not gonna come up. It's just not gonna be a part of O'Brien going forward. It's because uh... he's got the fucking drugs that prevent him from having hallucinations. Uh huh. And 
uh, behind the scenes, he'll be seeing Counselor Telnori for a while, but we'll never see it. My guess is it's going to work out fucking good. Like, that Counselor oh, gonna go great. crushes it. He knocks this one out of the park. They've got it. They've got it for sure. Uh, the episode is a depressing slog. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't have a place in Star Trek, but I didn't have a good time. No. All the stuff where he... Uh, gets shouty with people and like throws his comm badge in the elevator and fucking yells at little Molly and then goes to fucking blow his brains out. Like who, who's interested in this? Yeah, I would, um, I'd nap through this one on a rewatch for sure. (laughs) But I suppose this is the best Star Trek might be able to do in terms of making an attempt at sensitivity and understanding. Like I really think even the last minute of the inner light of uh, Jesus of Chains of Command is better than this. <laughs> Just the part where he's talking to Troy. Yeah, yeah. Um, considering their forty-minute time limit, and again that there is no reason to think they'll ever spend another minute on it. I I don't know. I mean, they tried to have people sort of be nice to him and. Look, these writers are so bad. I wouldn't have been surprised if someone had just shouted at him like, "Do your fucking job." Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they show uh, Ensign What's his name, who was yeah. in that other episode, but he's just palling around with Oprah. No one, yeah. Ensign What's his name's got at least one more episode in him. I know what happens to that guy. Oh no, that's bad news. <laughs> um, I gave it a five. Uh. Ben is a six. He says, weirdly personal and high stakes, and yet nothing happened in the real world. Yeah. O'Brien was allowed to be tortured for some reason. Well, I think the reason was that they they uh, asked for forgiveness and not permission. <laughs> yep, they did that one. They did that one, and then they brought Kira in and went, eh, it's yeah. done now. <laughs> uh, yeah. He says it seems pretty in character. Um, he's a six on it. I am, you're a five. I'm all the way down at a three. Okay. Uh, this episode kind of takes the easy road by not ever discussing the morality or the result of this method of punishment. It's just a bad thing that bad aliens did to him. Mm-hmm. But, like, it must on some level work, because otherwise criminals would be back on the street in hours from the perspective of society. Like, if this if this method did not produce, produce results within this society, it would just be immediately obvious, right? Yeah, I think at the very least it seems to break them. <laughs> They, because it doesn't. They're not have back the, in that afternoon doing crimes. They're just walking around shuffling their feet, right. going, "What the fuck happened?" But no one talks about like why they would even do this. Mm-hmm. They make no attempt to defend it. They don't talk about it at all. It's just a bad thing happened to O'Brien, and we're dealing with that. Yeah, it's also not a very nuanced portrayal of PTSD, and it kind of felt exploitative to me. It makes a lot of dramatic hay out of it without really saying much about it or showing the counselor or. Any attempt to describe what therapy for this might be like? Uh, I'm sorry. I, maybe you missed they showed him playing darts with Worf. Yeah. That was an important emotional scene. Where they both decided they didn't feel like playing darts? <laughs> I got the feeling Worf never wanted to play darts anyway, but he was just doing it for he O'Brien. He was fucking trying it, just trying it once. Yep. Everybody does a shitty job and no one really helps him. Where is season one Worf telling him about asking for help from others or season seven Worf telling him about all the parallel lives he lived briefly? Where's Dax telling him about having someone else's memories or dealing with the memory of having been a murderer? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. 
Where's Kira, who grew up in an awful prison camp, telling him about the process of learning to live on free Bajor or moving up to Deep Space Nine with replicators and hollow suites and everything oh, and getting back to... You're so right. She is in this episode for the teaser, and that is it. Once again, that's a wrap on Nana, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like She just hands him off and goes, peace out, and we don't see her anymore. It's like, I realize that these people don't know he's having hallucinations. Right. But... It, and he keeps telling everyone to leave him alone, but it seems like the fundamental problem is that a bunch of people who have applicable experience to what he's been through do leave him alone. They're just leaving him alone. I mean, if you think about it, they all kind of got trauma. I mean, Cisco's got trauma. Like, everybody's been through some shit on this. I mean, now, yeah. I mean, Bashir has some stuff he hasn't told anybody about, but. Yeah, but we don't know about Bashir's shit yet. Uh, I'm sure Garrick's done some hard stints, huh? Well, we've only gotten a taste of it in that one where he was dying or whatever. And. And Bashir had to go find Nabrintain. Uh, uh, Remember that one? Yeah. That it's just one. like almost every person on this station could pull him aside and help him with this. And they, they fucking just don't. So what I'm saying is this one's not even Rambo as far as PTSD goes. <laughs> Rambo, the it's one just, where, just the not, where he, It's just not even first blood. That's all I'm saying. The one where he blows up the whole town and kills conservatively hundreds of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> we watched the last Rambo not that long ago. Uh, let me tell you, that's a fucking wild movie. But um, I guess no one in the Rambo universe, this is my main thing, no one has ever Wikipedia'd that guy. <laughs> no one ever looks him up to go like, he wiped out a town. Oh, other than like 9-11, this guy is the most successful terrorist in uh-huh. the history of this country. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, so I don't want to make this a Rambo pod, but I could do one. Anyway, I was pretty let down by this one. I gave it a three for execution. Yeah, you're not wrong. I guess there are a lot of people looking sadly at him going, are you sure, Chief? And then he goes, yeah, I said I'm fine. And they go, okay. I guess. Um, okay. What about uh, world building? Uh, ben is a four. Mm. He says it's an interesting concept. He asks if it's similar to another episode out there. He also wonders how they would handle recidivism. Yeah. Um. Well, this time you're getting 30. He thinks the inclusion of a cellmate is pretty humane, but it also seems like they fucking amped stuff up. So like, this is the thing. O'Brien's going to put that fucking phaser under his head and wipe out half the habitat ring. <laughs> and Bashir's like, hey, we're not defined by the worst thing we've ever done. And what Bashir should say is, hey, it seems like you were pretty badly manipulated. Yeah. And like, Maybe this is not a fair... Like, you said that you would have killed me in the same situation, but, like, I don't know, man. When you told me that two weeks before they let you go, they had stopped feeding you for the longest they ever had, and then they had the guy have a big stash of food. You realize that that was not real, right? That (laughs) that was not a real scenario? That scenario, as laid out like that, does seem pretty manipulative. (laughs) I feel like you you gotta let it go, man. You were playing a video game, and you just had a quick time event to murder the man. So it's kind of like, maybe you're not on the hook for it. Anyway. And there are extenuating circumstances beyond that. One, I don't know why O'Brien comes to the conclusion that guy was going to share it with him. Because there was two of everything? Because there was so much of it, and it was broken up into pieces still. But like, He could have just been saving that for three or four secret meals. Like, I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) And then the other thing is... I don't even see what he does to the guy. They're like wrestling around. He breaks his neck accidentally while they're wrestling. <laughs> yeah, the guy does an accidental whoopsie diff, and like O'Brien doesn't even know. <laughs> no, 
It's not like he, like, had the guy on the ground and beat him repeatedly in the head with a rock or something. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it was, it was maybe it was manslaughter at best. Well, so. I just don't think people can die like that, but he died. I mean, he's dead. <laughs> That's true. Well, listen, people are fragile and sometimes they just die, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ben's a four on world building. Oh, I am wow. not. Yeah. Number one, people just can't stay out of the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> it's their vacation it's, spot, dude. It's extremely wild. They're just constantly provoking the Dominion. They want a war, basically, is what's happening. Well, what's great is it keeps getting... It's a self-own. They keep getting themselves into shit by <laughs> yes. going over... Don't go there anymore! Uh, number two. This week, Bashir can't erase memories too good. <laughs> this real... He was so good at it. He was so good at it a couple of weeks with ago. Kern, with Kern, who never gave any consent that we know of. Yeah. Uh, DS9 has several counselors that we've never seen or heard from. Uh, there's only eight Federation personnel on this station, but there's a bunch of... Ca- counselor Telnori, not the only one. There are several others. I think there's a counselor for every Vedic. I think there is one counselor per Vedic. On DS9. But he's not on his staff. It's a weird coincidence. Right. Um, this one's just not a world builder. No. I gave it a one. I agreed it's a one. Um... Yeah, this Argrathy simulated prison sentence they do, where they, like, turn off salary caps and free agency, and they just sim 20 seasons and just <laughs> see all the cool stats. Uh, uh, but they fucked up the sim. They made all the clones the same position. Uh, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the one where they turned off, or they just made all the worst basketball players they, they could. Every basketball player in, in every draft class an overall 40. But they couldn't figure out how to break the game good enough. The game kept trying to fix it. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Was that fumble dimension? The game dimension? really fought hard against that edge case. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, Counselor Telnori. Uh, the propaganda about mankind having outgrown hate and rage. Because it's clearly propaganda. We've seen plenty of weird, hateful humans in this century. Yeah, it actually don't make no sense. Uh, but, you know, I got taught a lot of stuff in school that don't make no sense either, so. Yep. Uh, Bashir gives him injections in the end that both reduce depression and cure hallucinations. Yep. And this episode did not focus on world building, so yes, it's a one. Yeah. But, hey, maybe they did good character work. Well, Ben thinks they did. This was his highest score. He gave it a seven. He says uh, Worf and O'Brien are back to being good, good friends. Again, the feeling I got was Worf was told to try. Oh, yeah. We didn't see the scene where Cisco said, you were on Enterprise with him, right? You got us. <laughs> I mean, we barely hung out, but... Go throw darts with the man. You know we got in a fight a month ago, right? You remember that, where that happened? You uh, left us in jail overnight? <laughs> Do you that? remember that scenario? <laughs> Uh, Do you know how much O'Brien farts in the night? He eats nothing but cabbage. <laughs> uh, he says Bashir and the rest are looking like really good people trying to help Miles. Well, they look like people who feel very sorry for Miles. I don't know. Um, so he was a seven. I was a little bit less high on it. I gave it a five. We could probably assume O'Brien would react the way he did in fake jail because he's O'Brien. Um... He was under some tough conditions, but he was the power play O'Brien in there for sure, and not the cool TNG O'Brien. He even fights dirty, throws fucking dirt in this dude's eyes. He throws sand right in that dude's face, yeah. (laughs) It's fucked up. Uh, Same thing when he's back on the station. Really went crazy on Quark in there, huh? Yeah. Just fucking tries to break his arm at the bar. Everyone just watches. No one's trying to do nothing about it. 
Oh, everyone in there knows that that dude just had a weird experience and they have no idea what to do about it. Yeah, there's Starfleet personnel in there, there's Bajoran personnel in there, and no one makes a move. They're all like, I'm off duty. Morn doesn't do dick. That's right. Uh, Keiko sees O'Brien trying to stash food and genuinely has no idea what's happening. Yeah, she doesn't say, hey, um... Buddy, are you just trying to save that in a napkin for later? It's like... Because we got replicators. What a charm... to do that here. What a charmed fucking life it is in the Federation. That she literally just... The idea doesn't make any... She's like, I don't understand. What? It'd be, it'd be a super great topic to explore how charmed life in the Federation is. But to do that, you would need to, like, set a show... Uh, like on the frontier mm. near a planet that had maybe been through, you know, some, some yeah, yeah. wars and strife and where just <laughs> just reclaiming arable farmland was enough sure. of a challenge. And then you'd have to have like those people working together and maybe, you know, then you could get a chance to really look at this sounds good. what it means to come from a terrible war-torn situation. Did, they make, see, did they make something like that? It sounds good. Uh, they were gonna, but... You know, fifteen minutes in, they had another idea. So it's kind of, uh, kind of gone. Uh, Worf tries hard to play games with O'Brien. Um, how shitty to have to relearn engineering from Jake. Boy, he's just drilling on the names of the tools too. It's like, it's like he knew he was going to be embarrassed if he had to do it with someone who works with him. But like for some reason, he wasn't embarrassed to do it with Jake. That's rough, and also it somehow doesn't feel like they what you would forget about engineering <laughs> the names of the, the tools names of the tools yeah that's true you'd probably forget like the specific architecture of ds9 yeah you'd be like wait how does this work again where does this go you wouldn't be like what's a wrench though i don't understand <laughs> explain to me again yeah, what i do with the wrench you wouldn't be like oh, these all look like dildos to me i don't <laughs> well they definitely did uh bashir is like okay yeah look you did a cold murder but I still think you're a pretty good guy. Don't let one murder upset you too much. It's a mistake anybody <laughs> could make. Murder, I mean. Don't let it mess up your day. Yeah. Yeah, there's something going on there. Uh, yeah, just a five for me. You know what? It's a four for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was going to say I, I'm even one less than you because I'm only a four. Uh, but it's a, you talked yourself down. I didn't even need to. Yeah. Uh, the character I'm least disappointed with in this is O'Brien. Okay. We saw how unaware he was of his own feelings in The Wounded. Mm -hmm. And while it's not nice to see him twist Quark's arm, no. he got in a full fight with Worf a few weeks ago about unions. But they so didn't clearly... even feel the need to show us. Yeah. Because that's O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, it would be great if in retrospect, I mean, we've already seen Sarek, but like, was O'Brien affected? <laughs> Is it just like the power play alien that bounces off him? Did Zarek's yeah. fucking mind rays have nothing to do with it? <laughs> he was just... It's not that It's not that they didn't hit him at all. It's just he was already there. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. Everything is in pretty in character for O'Brien. Cisco is real hands-off again, as usual, and that's starting to disappoint me. Yeah, he's right back to being the old, the old shitty Cisco we were always criticizing. Yeah. Keiko really advocated for O'Brien in that one where he was fake vaporized, but he never drinks coffee in the afternoon. <laughs> but she's tried nothing this week, and it still hasn't worked. Yeah, that's true. And Bashir, who arguably knows O'Brien even better than his wife, who he hates, mm -hmm. 
has no tips or strategies for getting him to put in the work of going to counseling. So, I don't know. Four for me. It's fair. Honestly, any score you give any of these episodes this week is fair. Yeah. As long as it sucks. Quick ones. Uh, Ben says he hates the anachronism of pull the trigger because there's no trigger on that hand phaser. I mean, for sure. I don't even think it's a button. I think it's a pad. I do wonder if anyone has ever stopped it gone. Yeah, why do we say that? Yeah. And then somebody, <laughs> some Tom Paris out there is like, uh, guns used to have triggers. You had to like fucking pull the little fucking lever thing and then yeah. they'd shoot it. These old boys are just like, yeah, we had to write some pretty good programs to make this possible, but it's so cheap. Like literally their justification is that it's the prisons are expensive. Yeah. But they didn't know that prisons can be big money makers that's, if you're totally corrupt and willing to do any degrading thing to your population. That's what I was going to say. And honestly, it seems like they had all the right ideas. I, honestly, it does seem like they're very well aligned with privatized yeah, prisons. Just make a real prison like that, and then you don't have to worry about these goddamn programs. They could, they could fucking slow time down so that you serve an eight-month sentence in 20 years with this same technology just so they can keep collecting that money, huh? That's right. Anyway, they didn't think of that. Uh, it's a completely unspoken, but again, what the fuck was O'Brien doing alone in the Gamma Quadrant? That seems like a mistake. Yeah, doesn't he remember the time he got the fucking the bioweapon on his arm and Bashir told him about feet? Like, why is he out there? Do you remember that? Uh, well, I didn't hear all of what you said. Oh, but <laughs> just going to say. The, the answer is no, okay, I don't. Okay, well, anyway... <laughs> Um, is Keiko five seconds pregnant? She looks like she weighs 40 pounds in that scene where she's getting out of bed. Yeah, and by the like way... Like, he holds her and he goes, you're pregnant. I had forgotten. <laughs> There's no way to know by holding her. Yeah, you would not be able to tell by holding her or looking at her. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jake hasn't been in, like, five consecutive episodes. I don't think we've seen Jake since uh, Cisco was doing changeling hunts on earth yeah. but uh he's back this week to uh do flashcards. you know if they didn't use him anymore if he just went away it would be fine like there's so many characters on this show what do we need jake they, for yeah we're not like we, they already can't find anything for kira to do mm-hmm. they can't find a way to squeeze kira in here so it's like it's okay it's okay if jake takes a break um matthew i am promising you here in public on this podcast that if I ever have a hallucination, I will see a doctor. (laughs) Good. (laughs) You won't pull the very uh, obvious Starfleet move and refuse to see a doctor, a therapist, a counselor, or any other kind of specialist. Everyone just fucking tries to shake it off in Starfleet. It doesn't make any sense. They have the best medicine in the world and it's free. Well, they all took PE with Tuvok, and I think that's done a lot. Well, that is true. They've been told to just run it, run through it. <laughs> like Bashir's going to make him run laps if he goes in there and says, I, hey, I'm having hallucinations. <laughs> run through it! Uh, oh, fuck, man. Don't hit all those empty plastic containers with a wrench. We need those. <laughs> they were so empty. It was. Why did they have him do that? As soon as he hit the first one, the guy should go, nah, wait, never mind. That, that was very obviously empty. It's like, that's Deep Space Nine's storables. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's the literally the empty jugs for oil room. That's how Vizier found him was the clerk ran off to find somebody. Yeah. <laughs> there's a guy, there's a guy in our storables down there just smashing up all the crates. Uh, 
as you pointed out, he's got that bitch on level 16. How many people does he want to take out with him? He just kept pressing the button. He, I think he pressed it like 10 times after it got to 16. <laughs> they show it fucking right to the screen and both of those rows are full. Yeah. And they've changed color. That ain't good. No, once you get to that second color, you're really going to do some damage for sure. Yeah. I understand that they didn't want to have Echar popping up in like random syndication episodes. But how dumb is it that he looks at O'Brien and like winks and then slowly fades out? <sighs> this is before O'Brien has eaten the drugs. I guess that's why we're really not going to see him is because he's eating drugs now. But <laughs> oh, that well, was hack. That'll show you next week is Drop Dead Fred, the DS9 edition. <laughs> <laughs> refuses to take the drugs. He wants <laughs> to hang out with his friend Echar. Uh, I gave best actor to Echar slash, uh, he reminded me of Ehot from Masks a little bit. Wow. I mean, it's not because that's a Spiner character, but you know what I mean. I am Ehot. It's like fucking drawing shit in the sand and I don't know. I'm, He's like goofy and cheerful. I'm a Quagano or whatever he says. I am, I am Ehot. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and worst actor this week goes to Molly, but that's okay. She's like five. Yeah, she definitely is a reader and not an actor. Yeah. Also, she doesn't seem to be able... She has voice modulation disorder as well. <laughs> she fucking shouts in his fucking face. Um, daddy, look what I drew! Hey, in a minute. Daddy, daddy! Oh, I fucking yell at her too, probably. <laughs> hey, talk better! Yeah. Keiko, what have you been doing with this girl while I've been in the fucking Gamma Quadrant? What you got for me? Just like the Silver Blood one, I was sure we'd already seen this episode. <laughs> Well, there's been a lot of episodes where some real shitty stuff happens to O'Brien. That's what I was going to say. There must be, just because of the amount of fucking traumas that O'Brien goes through, I've, I lumped them all together and thought we'd seen them. Bashir rattles a few off to tell Keiko that O'Brien's going to be fine, but it's like... He's like set like three, and the time he was uh, on the run from the... I don't remember which aliens it was... Anyway, Cardassian when the trial. Were kill him, and <laughs> yeah. they pulled out his. Do you remember when they pulled out his tooth? <laughs> Jesus! Made him get all naked. You know that's embarrassing for him. Um, again, then um, what? How did O'Brien know he was saving food for the both of them? I would have turned around and gone, "You had enough food for you for a week, you piece of shit." Oh, you've been saving food for a long time, huh? <laughs> oh, no, you're just gonna, you're gonna enjoy all the food while I starve, I guess. But he's like, ha, ah, you were, you were saving it for the both of us. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It's charitable. Um, you know what? We said all this stuff. Said it. That's it. That's DS9's a wrap. Well, second place last week was Enterprise. Hmm. This week we watched. The Enar. Alright, this is part three, so if you don't know who any of these people are, don't worry about it. <laughs> the Romulan Senator Vrax is furious about the new alliance that's forming in the region, but Admiral Valdor insists that without the humans, the alliance will fall apart. Hey, he I, wants to send... Yeah? I saw all three of these episodes. I didn't know either of those guys' names. <laughs> uh, Vrax's name is said at least once. Valdor's name might be script only. I think, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, this show has a real name problem. Honestly, at one point in this episode, he called Do you remember him- how... 
one of the main uh, Zindi counselors never got a name? Yes, I do. I just had to call him what's his name's friend the whole time. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, uh, what was I saying? Sorry, Marjan just sent me a message. <laughs> well, anyway, just uh, go on. Anyway, they named the uh, the Warbirds and Nemesis after this guy, I guess, because they're Valdor oh, class. That's what I was going to say. At some point in this episode, somebody does refer to this guy as Admiral, and I think that was the first time I'd heard that. I went, oh, the suit's an Admiral? <laughs> I think we heard Admiral once last week, no. but I, you're, you're not wrong. They barely tell you anything. Anyway, well, when did they call him Gorgon the first time? Because when they called him Gorgon this time, I got really worried. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got a second of these drones that we've never heard about, and he wants to send it out with the other one, which I thought was too damaged to continue, but I guess isn't, to hunt down Enterprise, because he believes that the Alliance will fall apart without Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, the Telluride Ambassador Grawl, he's gone. Don't worry about him. Narg's gone, too. But Shran is staying on Enterprise to help track down this drone. He don't have a ship anyway, so I guess he wants to hang around. Sure. Uh, T-Pole calls everyone into a briefing and she has figured the fucking whole scheme out except for the Romulans part. She knows that the ship was a, quote, telepresence drone, yeah. which I think means it was built by Cisco. I was dead. Thank you for fucking stealing my... I'm not doing the project anymore. You, <laughs> the integrity of my notes has been fucking compromised over and over and over again. I changed my password again this week. I'm talking about Merle-level <laughs> encryption. <laughs> And you still found a way through to steal my cool WebEx joke. <laughs> it's fucking garbage. I'm not going to tell jokes anymore. I'm going to be like Tuvok now. If I tell a joke, I'll just walk it back. <laughs> anyway, she's figured this fucking thing out to the point where she thinks she could build one. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that's not the problem. The problem is that this thing is telepathic. You have to be telepathic to work it. And... Uh, well, even Vulcans are not nearly telepathic enough for this fucking thing. No. Uh, one more thing. The the brainwave patterns or whatever mean that this is probably an Andorian who's piloting it. Oh, shit. Um, We've already seen that fucking creepy, milky-eyed uh, Andorian last week, at the end of last week, yeah. when we went, why, exactly. why is that a reveal? So, well, it's not a reveal to us, but everyone gets up to look at Shran for a minute when they say it. Uh, the uh, We learn that this pilot has made a friend, though, because the Romulan scientist Najil, who is probably responsible for some of this technology, is pretty sure that trying to pilot two ships at once is going to be bad for this old boy and maybe could kill him. But, of course, Valdor just orders more stims. <laughs> they don't have a second pilot, I guess, also. No, I will get into everything about the feasibility of this project. Yeah. Uh, Shran tells Archer that the brainwave pattern, he's, he mailed it back to Andor. He got his 23 b results back. Okay. It's from a blind, ice-dwelling subspecies called Enar sure. that was thought to be a myth, but 50 years ago was discovered living in the northern wastes. Bro, that's recent. That is very recent. Well, we don't know how long ago they... Moved into the myth category either. Well, I know. I just like these are the the Andorians. It sounds like have been in space for some time, but like they didn't even know about all the people on their planet. That's true. All that pajama shit seems old, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they were so focused looking outward, they never thought to look inward. I guess that must be it. <clears throat> um. 
he doesn't think that they have the technology to have built the ships, though we will later see their technology ain't bad. Uh, and they also have a reputation for pacifism, which he finds disgusting, but he doesn't think that this is their scheme. Anyway, and Archer him, orders him the and Tom ship Paris to both, it. dude. <laughs> Remember when Tom Paris fucking sneered and was like, we can take them. What are they, pacifists? I was yeah. like, wow, Star Trek, what are we doing? Uh, he gets warned to remember Starfleet is not a military organization. <laughs> Just keep that one in mind. Yeah. Uh, Shran's going to take the ship to Andoria, so they're going to go talk to these guys, I guess. Uh, Trip and T'Pol talk about times they were certain they were going to die. It seems like he wants to tell her he was thinking of her out there on that drone, but he holds back. Yeah. Uh, Shran and Archer go down to the shielded Enar compound alone. Uh, Valdor tells Najil that everyone, all Romulans are soldiers. They were all, they're all soldiers. He used to be a whole fucking senator and he was anti-expansionist, but he was expelled and I guess he learned the error of his ways and now he's fucking all in <laughs> double down. Uh-huh. Yep. We'll also talk a lot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, this is the fucking, this guy is the antithesis of Alador Jarok. Right before that guy said that, I wrote in my notes, it's episode three of this arc, and we still don't have any motivation for anybody. Yeah. And then he says all that bit, and I went, oh, God, I think it's worse now. Yeah, it did not help, right? It <laughs> yeah. didn't make it better. Uh, Shran takes a nasty fall down some ice stairs, catches a stalagmite in the thigh. Mm-hmm. His screams draw the attention of an Enar, and the two of them are soon surrounded by these White Walkers. Right. But, you know... Again, they are pacifists. They immediately agree to help with Shran. Uh, T-Pole and Trip get in a big argument about who should test the telepresence device when it's complete. He thinks it's too risky, but she's in charge. Also, she's the only telepath on the ship. Yeah, so what was he going to do? I don't do? know what he thought he was going to do in there. <laughs> He's going to get in there. <laughs> He's going to get in there and go, well, it boots up. Uh, I see uh, it says there's a runtime error. I don't. I mean, I built it. I should know what that means. Hey, am I supposed to be looking at a catfish? <laughs> what? What is happening? Oh, I think I'm just I'm making things happen on here. Yep, there's two catfish now. That is what I was thinking about. So anyway, he makes a nonsense argument and storms out. Uh, the Ener have pretty good medicine, it seems. They fix Shran's leg up like real fast, and they have a policy about not entering other people's minds. Um, but the leader wants to understand what's going on so she asks permission to get into archer's mind and she finds the evidence pretty pretty strong Mm -hmm. but she's it doesn't feel feel right to her either but um she does admit that an enar named uh garab went missing a year ago sure so maybe it's him she goes to talk with the other enar about the possibility of one of them using t-pole's new headset to uh disrupt this drone (laughs) Uh, meanwhile, Tipo has tracked Trip down in a hallway and told him that she thinks his feelings are affecting his work, and he, uh, responds to that by storming off all mad, as usual. Sure. Well, that's his proof. Now, that's his proof that he's totally unaffected. Now the worst part of the episode, uh, an Enar girl who looks about 16 yeah. comes to apologize to Shran for accidentally having read his mind in the cave, and it turns out that these two are sadness buddies. Yeah. Because he lost his girlfriend and the missing Enar is her brother. Oh, boy. She tells Shran that she has nightmares about Garab being locked in a cage and calling out for rescue. We cut to seeing him hooked into the drone. We cut to T-Pole performing the initial test of her device. She has a bad reaction to it, but it seems like it essentially works. 
Yeah. Uh, the ENR officially refused to help. Archer and Shran leave uh, disappointed, but also it turns out with a plan because Shran's new friend, who is unnamed at this point, but I'll just say her name's Jamel, mm-hmm. uh, is walking them out and talking about how everyone's going to be mad and they're going to look for her. Mm. And uh, I don't know. A swarm of ice boars drops down. Who cares? Yeah, really. The two was, drones. That was a big who cares. The two drones have left Romulus. They're on the way to uh, Enterprise. Uh, Phlox tries to give some advice to Trip about uh, fucking getting over it or something. And I forget what he Trip, says. Don't mix business with pleasure. Trip finally throws it back in his face that you told me to go do sex things with her as therapy yeah. for my sleep. Do you know what he doesn't throw back in his face? Mm. That time that Phlox's wife. <laughs> was touching him under the table. And Flox said, oh, great! And Flox was like, oh, I'm so good. Oh, that's yeah. going to be the best. She's, hey, she's good at that. Hey, that's going to be the best. Just so you know, <laughs> when you and You're me... You're going to like that. When you and me are both tapping this lady, it's going to be pretty cool. Just so you know. Yeah. Hey, your tongue's weird like mine. Think about it. Yeah, toenails too. Uh, mm. Anyway... The leader has been making them walk in circles for a minute, but as soon as they realize that it's to prevent this girl from leaving, she just shows up and then uh, agrees to read her mind, and I guess she's convinced. Mm. They get on up to the Enterprise. Enterprise heads to the location of a missing cargo ship, the Ticonderoga. Jamel straps into the telepresence machine, but she immediately has like a pretty bad seizure about it. Yeah. Well, and so they're like, well, this ain't going to work. We she, can't do this again. She turns it up like O'Brien did on that phaser. She turns it up to max. Yeah. Uh, she's ashamed of her failure, but uh, Shran tells her you know, bravery is never a failure. Anyway, these idiots are in love or whatever. Uh, Tellerite freighter approaches the ship. It won't return hail. So Archer hesitantly gives the order to fire. Of course, it is the drone. Um, they start fighting. Jamal can feel her brother's presence. Now that the drones are close, even though he's not any closer, she insists on being put into the device, even though it could kill her. The first drone is doing a pretty good job against the Enterprise. So uh, Najil says, hey, maybe we don't need the second one. But he's like, no, we're doing it. I'm an admiral. I don't care if it kills the one and only person who can fly this. My father sits and waits for death. (laughs) What? Yeah, I don't think your um, head's really in the right place right now. Anyway, as the second drone comes in, Jamel makes contact with her brother. When he learns she's on the ship he's attacking, he stands down. He starts attacking one drone with the other one. He knocks one of them out. Enterprise gets the other drone, but uh, it's no good for Garib. Valdor shoots him. Yeah. In the neck. Uh, straight straight in, in the, the fucking... Throat. Damn, right yeah. In the, right in the throat. It is a weird way to murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't know where Andorian's hearts are or something. (laughs) Uh, Shran and Jamel return to Andoria. Archer says goodbye to both of them. Shran says he may not be back in space for a while after losing his ship. Also, he knows the show's been canceled. (laughs) Trip comes to see Archer. He's upset about... He missed some variance in the telepresence device. He tells him he can't concentrate on his job. He asks for a transfer to Columbia. He won't tell Archer why, but... um, I mean, Archer reluctantly accepts. End of episode. Matt, what's this one about? Hmm. To thine own self be true, I guess. Look, I had a really, really hard time putting anything together with this one. Um, 
No one even came out and said love is the greatest mystery of all. No. Um, so everybody in this episode makes a, a difficult choice that they know is right, but that those closest to them have a hard time accepting from T-Pole getting in the telepresence device, still a hilarious name, to the Anar girl helping Archer and Shran, to Trip asking for a transfer at the end and lots in between. I like It's something to say people won't always agree with you, but you have to do what you think is right. But that's also an extremely generic message that's, I think, actually present in a lot of fiction. But it's not usually the main message. Like, there's other stuff, and then somebody has to have the courage and conviction to do something. And maybe I missed another one here, but I could not think of another take. So, it's that one. It's a three. And what's that's worth a three? Yeah. Hey, Matt, a uh, real quick question. Did I play the theme for Enterprise? Yes, you did. Okay, good. I, I remem- thought maybe I hadn't. I remember it. It goes like this, Bands right? Of- I got faith, right? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that might that might not be a Silver Blood situation. Maybe I really did play it. Uh, Ben's got this one at a four. He says the bonds between people are the most important thing. This one's all about relationships, despite a lot of exploding things. I guess saying strong relationships are good. <laughs> uh, and when they're severed, bad shit happens. Hey, strong relationships are good. That's the take. Yeah, that's a four for him. Uh, I think that the take is supposed to be the opposite. Oh. Don't let your emotions interfere with your duty. Okay. Uh, T-Pole says it. Valdor says it. Flock says it. The trouble is, not only do none of these cause actual problems, but it's the emotional connection to her brother that pushes Jamel back into the device. Mm-hmm. But the moral of the story can't possibly just be trust your emotions, can it? I mean... But that's what you have it as. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, so this is what I'm saying. Like, what was it if it wasn't, like... If it wasn't either your or my take? I think it's don't... Yeah, it's don't do that, but they did a real bad job of it. Um <laughs> It's a three for me either way. It's not It's not anything. It's not big. Yeah, the episode wasn't about anything, except apparently wrapping up this plot that no one fucking cared about and introducing even more characters that... And introducing a cliffhanger with Trip. Yeah, it's like, even this one's not over. We still gotta deal with this. Ugh. Ben's a, th- Ben's a three on execution. He's, he also was surprised by the second drone, the second prototype. <laughs> uh... He says, yeah, exactly. The telepresence conversation he finds very boring. Yeah, and it is unclear why this dude would help the Romulans kill a bunch of people, even if he did think all of his people were dead. They give this guy no motivation. No, they really didn't. The sister shows up, and he's like, what? I thought everyone was dead. And but he doesn't say, and that's why I'm helping the Romulans because he can't say that because it would be because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so he doesn't say anything. So we never learn why he's helping them. Um, the introduction of telepathy is very odd in this. Yeah, it's almost like they need a reason the Romulans can't keep using this technology. Yeah, and the answer they came up with is because they aren't good enough telepaths. Mm-hmm. Counter to that, I will say that it is long established in Star Trek that telepathy happens uh, faster than the speed of light, maybe instantaneously. That seems like, to for Troy. We saw it in Haven. Yeah. Uh, when all those Vulcans die on the Intrepid in TOS, Spock doesn't like find out about that years later. 
yeah. he knows when it happens, right? <laughs> yep, yep. So maybe it solves that other bad problem with the drone also. <laughs> the one, the other problem, the one about, hey, how does it... Um, how does any of that work? All those light years away, how does that... Uh, there should be a pretty bad lag. Huh? <clears throat> well, that would be the only explanation that makes sense, because otherwise, why would you choose to build a system that you cannot man unless you are kidnapping telepathic aliens? <laughs> Like, why yeah. wouldn't you build a system, like, I don't know, like we do today, where you just train some people to fly a drone? Yeah, it fucking has to be that this can only be done with te- with telepathy, mm-hmm. so I guess that's mildly interesting. But they didn't say it. Um, they just they, You have to no. sort of reason it out. Yeah. Uh, the relationship stuff with Trip and T'Pol wasn't real successful t- for me. They, they still can't talk to each other like adults, mm. and now he wants to take his ball and go home. The, the whole thing is very unsatisfying and unprofessional. Yeah. I agree. And I also would like to have known how this brief alliance has changed things or if it has changed anything. Like, I know we can't, we don't, it doesn't make any sense to go right to the Federation from here, but they they don't even pay it lip service in this. They abandoned it in the first scene. Yeah. All the fleet is there. And then, and then they cut into Enterprise and he's like, well, the Tellarites are gone. Anyway, (laughs) it's just you and me now, Shran. Yeah. It's like, oh, I see what we did here. We are uh, cutting the fat from this episode. Yeah. So, you know, kind of a disappointment. I, I gave it a three. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a good episode. I didn't know what to say about the climax of this episode, which is a telepathic conversation between two characters we just met. I like found it very hard to be invested in that angle. I, were they going to do a... Was this a backdoor pilot? <laughs> For a Shran series? I'm being serious. Like, I don't understand why we're meeting these new Andorian characters, why he's got a new young girlfriend, and they're, like, going back together to Andoria. Like, what's it for? Yeah. It's like, it's a series wrap on Shran. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like. He almost, he basically said it. Uh, Like you said, there was no real, like, origins of the Federation wrap-up. I guess they are finished with that on like last week. Part two of this was like they are they're done. We we did our our alliance stuff. This episode will have nothing to do with that. I thought that was going to be the point of this little trilogy. Yeah, me too. But nope. I mean, it definitely late starts the groundwork, but like they they don't touch back in on it at the end. No, now it seems like the takeaway from this uh, three parter is the romance between Trip and Teeple. Kind of. Uh, that's not worth it. That's not a three-parter. And I was generally a bit bored. So it's, uh, I agreed it was a three. World building? Ben gave it a one. Uh, he says he thinks the Andorians really are aggressive. They have beef with two major local powers, Tellarites and Vulcans. And I think he's saying that because Shran is still pretty shitty in this episode. Um... I was one better. I gave it a two. I just said the part we were... I I mean, I wrote the part we were just talking about. Why bother building cool drone technology if you need a drugged-up alien to fly it? Uh, The ANR, blind ice-dwelling subspecies, blah, blah, blah. It's not like this thing goes back in time seven days. (laughs) And you just need someone so crazy. So fucking out of his mind that he can tolerate the pain of flying the needles. He He can get the herbs and spices just right. Uh, isn't that what they're trying yes. to keep the reticle on in uh, yes. community? Okay. Um, okay. 
That's an early episode of Community, by the way. It's a really, I thought it was much later than it is. Because it's so fucking good. That's like a perfect episode. I mean, that's the episode that brings us E Pluribus Anus, and yes. I could not believe how early that was. Yep. Uh, and Dorians build their cities underground because it's so cold on the surface. Though we have no evidence of it, this guy claims Romulans have always worked toward expansion and conquest. But every time we see them, they're so isolationist. So I don't yeah. really know what to do with it. Uh, despite only a few thousand of these Anar existing at all and being totally isolated, they have some pretty cool tech up there. Yeah. They what? have like ice holograms and yeah, they got ice holograms. They fix fix Shran's leg up real good. They had the best medical tech we've seen since that uh, that station that <laughs> the station that Trip and Reed broke into, and then it the one that ate the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Is the this a silver blood? The whole ship. Okay, good. I do know what you're talking about. Um, whatever. But at what cost, Matthew? At what cost? Oh, Mayweather. <laughs> we talk about it every week because it's the one where Hoshi seems like she's his friend. Yep. Whatever this thing they built that T-Pole sits in when the Anar girl, I guess, she, she uses it too. I guess it's meant to mimic or disrupt the Romulan signal. They call it telepresence unit like they about to get on a fucking WebEx meeting. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the cargo ship Ticonderoga. If I thought we'd ever see the ANR again, like maybe this could be worth points. And again, if this was a backdoor pilot, like maybe all this would be meaningful in some way. But I have no reason, obviously, to believe that that would happen. Just a two for me. Yeah, what do you leave out? Uh, Andorian antennae control balance. I, uh, I said that last week based on the way he was lurching around after it got Well, off. it turned out you were 100% correct, mm-hmm. so I guess that's why he was disabled. Yeah. But they should have said I really... it. Could, they could have said it. They could have said it. Uh, so all the things you mentioned, what I really wanted here is the Romulan strategy and the stakes of this, and they just hint at them in the dumbest possible ways. Mm-hmm. Like, we only get really get it from uh, Senator Vrax, so... Uh, it balanced out at a three for me, but you know what? You're not wrong. It's a two. Senator Vrax, whose whole job is to go, it's my ass on the line. <laughs> it really is. That really is his whole thing. You better clean up your act. <clears throat> World building. We just did that one. Characterization. There you go. <laughs> It's the other world building. <laughs> yes, that's what I've... It's the building of internal worlds. I call it the other uh, world Archer is Archer's kind of a cipher in this one. He doesn't successfully convince anyone of anything. His whole role seems to be to prompt Jamel to offer up a mind scan from the nameless Enar leader. He can't even get Trip to open up at the end. No. Trip and T-Pole are both kind of babies. Flocks is pretty ineffective. Just who looks good this week, really? Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I have it at three. Uh, Ben agreed. <laughs> I'll just read this. Trip has decided he's a whiny little bitch again. So I guess Ben wasn't into this. I mean, it's kind of true. Like, he's a big, big baby this whole time. Uh, let's see. Number four. I mean, I gave it a four. Sorry. <laughs> I'm totally lost now. I was, this is my fault for saying world building. I, I gave it a four. I wish, like you said, we had motivation for any of the Romulan characters. All we get is, like, sneering and mustache twirling. 
And then the guy says he used to be a senator, but he was <laughs> but he was booted for asking about the wisdom of expansion and conquering, and now he's like all in on conquest, which is very strange. It's a weird reaction to being thrown out of the Senate for it, for sure. It's like they said, a backstory doesn't work if the guy was just as bad in his backstory as he is now. He has to have been a ba- a good guy, and he got turned bad. But they don't really bother to explain how that all happened. Um, T-Pole, not capable of having a cool chat about her emotions, and I don't know why Trip would expect that she would be able to do that. Yeah. And this fucking trip T-Pole thing will never, ever end. No, it's over now. He's leaving the ship. <laughs> Even if I fell out of a treehouse and injured my back <laughs> and I had to be in the hospital for months, that <laughs> plot line would continue on just taunting me and boring me and grossing me out on my hospital TV. I have a feeling yeah. I'll never escape this. Treehouse would be pretty cool. Um... Anyway, Trip asks for a transfer at the end to get away from T-Pole, I guess. Um, Shran is pretty shitty to this first Anar lady. I wish Archer would tell him to cut it out. Like, why is Shran so <laughs> shitty? No one... Well, first of all, I don't know that anyone notices. I don't know if anyone notices that Shran has fallen in love with this teenage girl oh. until the end. But that was the next part. Then I kept getting the creepy feeling Shran was cruising for a young Anar girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying the uh, first lady he talked to, the the leader or whatever, he's very mean to. Wait, everyone, I'm better than this, <laughs> but he's heard they do Anar. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I might not be better than that. Hey, you might want to walk that one back. <laughs> I don't. I, w- I refuse. <laughs> um, Flox. Stand in my truth. Flox gives us the great advice that love is untreatable. And you just have to suffer. Wait, maybe someone did tell me the message. Is that what I should have put as the take? <laughs> Would that have scored more? Uh, maybe. I think he got that straight from the cure. So there's <laughs> there's precedent. Yeah, it's a three. It's not good. I wish these guys could oh, I'm do I'm sorry. Better. You had it at a four. No, I, but I've just well, downgraded you it. it down. Okay. <laughs> well, that <laughs> puts us in lockstep, at least, on this one. Once I said the part out loud about how if I was in the hospital for months, this would still be haunting me. I went, oh, that's probably not. I didn't give it a good score. Ah, uh, quick ones. Um, yeah, ben come didn't at have me any. with him. But I have. They ditched the Tellarite in this episode because he is not necessary from a narrative standpoint. Shran isn't either, but he's a recurring character, so it's cool. But they basically debate and go, just the main guys today, everybody. <laughs> Got rid of the Tellarites. <laughs> Uh, this guy goes, I used to be a senator. Did you know that? And the other guy did not know that. Seems like you would have heard that on your first day. That guy used to be a senator, by the way. The guy you're working with? The guy you're doing the crazy science for? Used to be a senator. But this guy had never heard that. I've seen these episodes, but I have no memory of any of them. This, this whole three-parter. I didn't remember one thing about them. What about you, quick hitters? Just a few. Uh, one of the first things Vrax says is, the group of senators disagrees with you. Do you want to take another pass at that? That's the fucking briefing studies. Yeah. That's one of the things we never learned about them from the briefing studies. What group of senators? The group of senators? The group? The, gr- like, the group of senators. Does that mean all of them? What do you mean? 
Yeah. T-Paul can just build one of these based off of some scans she took? I Everything about that plot was bonkers. Did you notice that Phlox has huge food coloring bottles in sickbay? <laughs> you know those ones that have the, like, teardrop-shaped top? Uh-huh. Well, he's got some fucking huge ones, and they are full of colorful liquid, but I can't imagine they're just half a gallon of food coloring each. <laughs> I was going to say, do they buy some industrial-sized food coloring and change the <laughs> label? Thanks, props department. Like the time Fahoshi ate that fruit that was almost like strawberries. Uh, it was very like strawberries. They were strawberries. Uh, this show is allergic to names. We never learned the name of the Enar leader. They basically don't use the name of the Romulans at all. I was pretty sure we weren't going to learn Jamel's name. Yeah. I do not like the romance vibes. A, Shran just lost his girlfriend that he shouldn't have been dating. Yep. <clears throat> B, this girl looks 16. He might actually be a predator. I was going to say, okay, so when I think of Shran, I think he's like 50. But yeah, like, that's my guess. I don't know how aliens work. What if he's like 80? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and this chick, like you said, was definitely playing confused teenager. Yeah. So it wasn't good. It's like the most important person in her world is her missing brother. Yeah. This is typically not a storyline you give to a sexually mature adult. <laughs> right. Uh, why in the world doesn't Trip just tell Archer what he's going through? Does he think Archer's going to throw the book at him or is he afraid Archer's going to ask a bunch of uncomfortable questions? I think it's probably that one. Like you said, he's he's given up. He's being a little baby about it. I best actor was tough on this one. I gave it to to Paul, but it's big question marks. Sure. Worst actor, Najil. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Yeah. You've been in three of these. Not Senator Frex and his uh, the group of senators line. <laughs> he, he didn't write that line. <laughs> It's a bad line, and it doesn't make sense that anyone would say that, but he didn't write it. By the way, I did notice when he said that, and I went, oh, he must have talked about some senators before. I missed it. (laughs) As always, I assume the problem is me. (laughs) Because of the time, you know why, because of the time I fell asleep and missed the part at the end of the DS9 where Odo went back to his home planet in the Omarion Nebula, and the shapeshifter came out of the shapeshifter ocean and said, welcome home. Yeah, (laughs) I just skipped that part entirely. I was like, wait, that happened in this one? Huh, okay. Uh, Sorry, I assumed it was because of when you didn't catch the part where Kirk was ashamed of looking (laughs) foolish in front of T'Pau. That's another example. Still seems baffling to me. That might be the only one I'd watch again just to verify if that's true. (laughs) Just watch that. Just the first eh, 20 minutes of Amok Time. Mm -hmm. (sighs) One more. Well, that's the first half of the podcast. (laughs) And now for the second half. Last week's winner was The Next Generation. This week we watched Galaxy's Child. Bom, bom. I made, uh, that's an eight second clip. I did not realize that I was going to be playing like a full 90 second song for Voyager this far <laughs> in. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like, you played most of that Go-Go song. I well, no, I played th- forty seconds of it, but there was still two minutes. But yes, I played a fair amount. Uh, okay, Galaxy's Child. 
Enterprise is en route to Starbase 313 to pick up equipment for the Guernica system. Ooh. And Dr. Leah Brahms will be on board to examine all of the modifications Jordy has made over the years to the engines. That ex- Jordy is way pumped to hear it. Yeah, that excites him. It would make me very uncomfortable. Like, I'm going to have to yeah. explain all the work I do. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is an audit. Yes. An audit is happening and Jordy is crazy into it. And Picard's like, what? But it doesn't matter. Mm. Guinan catches him brushing off dandruff in 10 forward. And he just, no shame, tells her he's about to meet his dream. <laughs> it's true. He then tries, to, when she doesn't react to that like he thinks she's going to, he tries to pretend like he's not expecting anything romantic. Although he says, I'm not necessarily expecting anything romantic, which means he is. He does so much rationalizing in this episode. <laughs> it is fucking wild. Yeah, anyway, no one's buying that. And when he meets her in transporter room three or whatever, she serves it up cold with, so you're the one who's fouled up my engine designs? So that's a big bummer for him. She's on one. She apparently has not been looking forward to meeting this nightmare of Jordy. No. This fucking grease monkey? Yeah. This guy who two years ago was flying the ship? (laughs) Right, yep. She ain't impressed. She's seen his record. Uh, she she's looked at his record and she's like, I don't know. Seems like you should have kept him on command track. It seems like he had a whole string of successes when he was left in charge of the ship. And then since he's become chief engineer, kidnapped, 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 kidnapped. Huh? That's pretty weird. Put him back on the bridge, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, for his sake. Uh, she starts going over all the ways he's changed up the engine and they snap at each other for a while before she goes off to take a call from somebody. Uh, meanwhile, Data gets some readings from the Alpha Omicron system and he won't even say for sure that it's a radiation signature, mm-hmm. which must frustrate Riker who proposed it. <laughs> That's um, true. Although, you know my theory, Riker proposes things so other people will look smart. That he's a team player. <laughs> anyway they head on in to investigate even though i think the warp engines are offline it's not worth getting into (laughs) right uh distances and times they find something floating in space and they get all excited when it's not in jane's guide to fighting ships and they move right on in um after her call a somewhat more calm dr brahms discovers geordie's modification from booby trap and wants to know how he learned her big design secret for the next class so, of course, he invites her to dinner to try his great fungili. Mm, that's her favorite and, food, though, dog. And then walks off while she wonders if he was that noise that she heard in her garbage cans last week. She thought it was raccoons. <laughs> they've uh, they've grown to be quite formidable in the 24th century. They cannot that's get right. rid of these raccoons. They, too, have evolved. Yeah. They're, they're actually one step closer to humans that, to becoming energy beings. So. <laughs> Uh, Data's pretty sure that the thing in space is a life form. Mm. And they fire up a dang probe to check it out. This thing scans them with a green beam and then charges the ship. Um, and then it starts firing Sith lightning bolts and <laughs> feeding on the Enterprise's energy. Ow. So, Dude, seriously, does not go well. How excited were these guys when they cracked the secret of the fucking Lucasfilm's gr- greatest fucking achievement? <laughs> the Force the lightning. lightning. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we did it, guys. <laughs> What should we use it on? Uh, I don't know. How about the alien of the week? I think. 
Uh, Picard, by the way, had forgotten everything that he told the Malkorians last week about the dangers of first contact. So (laughs) this one brings it. He's got egg on his face about all this for sure. And it doesn't get better because um, radiation begins flooding the ship and Picard orders a minimum power phaser blast to protect it. And it fully kills this creature. It's not minimum enough. It turns out everyone on the bridge gets real sad. Um, and Picard is about to go sulk in his ready room when Data starts getting an energy reading from the creature again, and they all get a fresh hope. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, while this has been happening, Jordy has put on his California raisin sweater <laughs> and is trying to teach the computer the art of seduction. I tried to screenshot it and, and send it to you, but I hated the screenshot so much I deleted it right away. <laughs> I didn't even want to send it anywhere. It's a bad sweater. And the pants are just as bad. The pants, when he, yeah, in the last scene after she leaves and you see his pants, you go, oh boy, he really did both both ways. He messed it up everywhere. <laughs> he screwed it up fully, yeah. Uh, Dr. Brahms arrives. She's getting a bad vibe, especially when he tells her that her hair is different from her fucking personnel files. Yeah. But at this point, I figure she's been through some stuff in her life because she starts apologizing to him as if maybe the problem is her because she's just too cold. And impersonal? Something is wrong with her that she doesn't run. Yeah. Well, she does. Anyway, she doesn't stay for dinner. Yeah. Uh, on the bridge, Data has figured out that the space slug was pregnant. And that's what's kicking around in there. Crusher proposes a laser cesarean. Mm. Worf thinks maybe they should just kill the little fucker. <laughs> but that's a non-starter for Picard. Uh, Jordy and Leah change into jumpsuits and go spelunking. Uh, at some point while they're looking at, you know, his, his cool modification, she finally asks him what his deal is, why he knows so much about her. And he doesn't really explain it, but he does say he studied her and he always wanted to meet her and he wanted to be her best ever friend. Uh And she connects the dots and she says, how the fuck did you not know I'm married? Yeah, you know, Fungili, but you don't know this. (laughs) Which is a real good question, but she does let it drop. Um, Crusher uh, stands at tactical for maybe the first time ever, fires up that laser, and uh, once she cuts a little slit in the dead one, fucking reboot comes squeezing out through the incision. <laughs> yep. Um, Guinan is playing chess with a very bummed out Jordy, and she not so subtly tells him that he actually didn't look into Dr. Brahms at all. Mm. He just played with his holodeck fantasy and didn't really worry about the real woman. Uh, Enterprise is about to fuck off to avoid interfering any further with this little life form, but as soon as they turn on the thrusters to leave, the little guy follows them. Yeah. Uh, Troy tells Picard that the little guy thinks the ship is his mother. It's not clear if that is something that she's picking up psychically or just a theory. It sounded like a dumb theory, but... <laughs> it sounded just like kind of a theory. You know, she was a mom that one day. Uh, it slams oh, into the ship. Oh, by the way, you know she walks around going, you know, I, as a mother... Like, I understand this. Uh, I know it very well. <laughs> I'm sure, I believe that she's said to somebody, you're not a parent. You'll never parent. understand until you're a yeah. parent. <laughs> uh, anyway, this thing latches onto the hull and starts draining energy from the ship. Uh, Picard thinks, um, maybe they owe it one? Because he doesn't want to do anything, just let it drink up. I mean, at least at first, but it turns out that they can only feed it for about like six or seven more hours. Yeah. So they start to find out where figure out where its mom was going 
Okay. Uh, Jordy briefly gets called to the bridge. We don't know why. It doesn't matter. It briefly gives Leah Brahms time to dig around in the computer and figure to try to figure out what he's done to the engines. <laughs> she starts looking for the original specs again to compare. And when she finds uh, a program with her old office in it, she's pretty jazzed and goes right to the holodeck to take a peek. Jordy finds out and goes charging after there. Uh, to the point that he comes fucking skidding into the holodeck. <laughs> he really looks like a dummy. Uh, but he made it there just in time for the worst part. Yeah, when you're the part where when you're touching the engines, you're touching me. That's the one. Yeah. So she's furious. Sure. Uh, he tries the regular argument technique of getting mad at her in return, plus a fake "sorry you're so fat" kind of apology. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, and then he storms out. Enterprise heads out to the nearby asteroids. They can't really scan them because, you know, it's got duranium and cordonite or whatever the fuck in it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, it's definitely got elements that were in the body of the adult creature, so they think that's a pretty good theory. They try to blow the baby off the hull by opening the shuttle bay, but it just hangs on and drains more power and starts calling for help via radio. Mm. Uh, three of these other guys come, come out of the asteroids in, in response. Uh, Enterprise can't even shoot them now because they don't have enough power to use the phasers. No one mentions photon torpedoes. It seems like if a phaser would do these guys in. <laughs> yeah. But no one thinks of it. Uh, Leah Brahm shows up in engineering, asks for permission to keep working with Jordy like any of this was her fucking fault, mm-hmm. and suggests changing the ship's energy somehow to sour the baby's milk. And luckily, at this point, we learned that all matter in space vibrates in a specific <laughs> radiation band of 21 centimeters. Right, 21 centimeters. And as a result, they can just alter the ship's power frequency. So they do that, and sure enough, when it hits 0.02 centimeters, the creature detaches and flies away to go live with its cousins. Jordy mm. and Leah go and have a big laugh in 10 forward about how many times he bent that hologram over yeah and she apologizes to him again because she's straight up mentally ill (laughs) matthew what's this episode about uh let's start with ben real people often don't live up to our expectations that's it that doesn't sound like it's prescriptive it's just that's just a thing that happens he gave it a five um I have this. I have a five as well. Prejudging somebody, whether in a good or bad way, is wrong. Isn't that what Guinan was saying? I don't know. Not sure how it related <laughs> to Junior, but I also don't care. <laughs> I don't know. What did you think? Did you have something? That was... Oh, uh, what's that worth? Uh, five. Okay. <laughs> well, it's very surprising to me. Well, look, the episode was about that. That much was okay. clear. I don't know whether I said the take right. Is the only thing. <laughs> Okay, so I think it's I think it's pretty obvious that what they're trying to say here is something like don't get caught up in a fantasy and overlook the actual person on the other end. Okay. But that's a message for 12-year-olds at best. Well, Jordy, you know, and it's entirely possible to come away from this episode with the message that it's worse for a woman to be unfriendly yeah. than for a man to be outright reprehensible. Yes, that would be the cynical take, I suppose. Uh, there's no take in the B-plot. No. Why should I give this even one point? It's a zero. Oh, yes! All right! Not a no-take, A non-no-take zero. zero. I like it. It's, it's very rare. rare. Okay, all right. No, I'm with you. Again, like I said, anything you want to give any of these fucking shitty episodes is totally cool. 
Ben's a six on execution. I don't understand that. He he likes it, I guess. <laughs> says, we've been conditioned to think that Jordy <laughs> will react badly, and he does. And he does. The dinner scene is the most cringeworthy thing, partly because we know he's a nice guy. He's not trying to creep. And because we know this is going to end badly from minute one. I don't know that. It, I don't know anything about whether he's a good guy. I don't know whether he's not trying to creep because he seems creepy. Uh, and then he says they're both taking the high road and deciding to overlook each other's faults. Yep. There you go. That's Ben. <laughs> yep. Uh, now me. Yeah. Uh, number one, because this is worth reiterating. It's nauseating how often Leah Brahms apologizes to Jordy mm. in this one. Mm-hmm. Because she had a chip on her shoulder about her engines? Sure. Because she doesn't want to be his best friend? The only thing I might apologize for is the way she comes in hot off that transporter pad. Yeah. She is not cool in scene one, but then it's all Jordy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, he's unprofessional to her from the start. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't even give her a standard greeting in the fucking transporter room. Hi. I think that the only reason they have her apologizing to him is because we still have to like Jordy next week, and she's out of the show. Yeah. Then the sort of perils of first contact, perils of exploration angle from the B-plot isn't really given the time it deserves, because that's just a problem to force Jordy and Leah to work together again. Yep. And even that's only in the last ten minutes of the show. So we don't get to see Picard deal with his failure as an explorer here. Dude, he did deal with it. You saw him, he was like, all right, well, the baby's out, we can go now. Yeah. Like, he was done. <laughs> yeah. He's so He was so sad he had to go sit in his ready room a minute before that, but anyway. But then when matter. the baby's out, he's like, yeah, okay, cool. Then the fiberglass model is so good, and the CGI is so bad, that <laughs> when you see them together, it's distracting. I have the same note. Um... I can't totally blank this one, though, because Worf does get to give the report. The creatures have accelerated their approach. (laughs) They are changing color. (laughs) And that's really solid. That's a great line, and I love it. And what else could he have said? Yeah, he's desperate to do something meaningful, and we'll talk about that as well. (laughs) Um, It's not a very good episode. I gave it a two. Okay. We are not far apart. I gave it a three. Jordy is gross and should know better. Like, not just for himself, which I think the male writers are mostly concerned with, you know, Jordy's education or whatever, but right. so that he doesn't make the ladies feel so very bad and uncomfortable. Yeah, it, he's putting them through it. And since they're friends at the end, it seems like the only lesson he'll learn from this is make sure she isn't married. I think, I think so. As I Ask the computer if she's married. Yeah, I think that's it. I think otherwise he's going to feel fine about how this all worked. Maybe move that Guinan conversation out of the teaser. What good does it do us to get the message about Jordy being a creep before the episode even starts? Like, yeah. let him eat shit for a while and then bring in Guinan like they do later to help him work through that. Like, you're wasting her and all of her fucking sage wisdom in the teaser. Yeah, which he does not listen to. <laughs> no, he he's... No, you got it all wrong, Guinan. I'm not necessarily looking for anything romantic to happen here. It's like, wait a minute. She should have looked at him and said, I gotta go puke. I'm sorry. Hold on, I gotta puke. Um, Good to know that even far into the future, women are still giving dudes the benefit of the doubt and then walking into an ambush date. 
So they kill this mom. Mm. Then they birth the baby. Mm. And then they go, okay, we're out of this bitch. Not our business, right? (laughs) What? (laughs) What's the baby supposed to do? Do you think the baby knows where to go and what to do? The solar radiation didn't immediately kill it, so they're out. (laughs) It's just like, wow, Picard really, he felt bad for a minute, but now he's like, now we're good, though. Uh, And the solution they come up with at least makes sense from a metaphorical point of view, which is more than you can say for most Voyager solutions, where they just say, yeah, but you adjust the phase ratio, (laughs) and then they do it, and then it's over, and you go, what the fuck was I supposed to do with that? It is true, and they do. They actually kind of trust us with it because they don't really go into like the idea that they're trying to make the energy that it's draining unpalatable. Mm-hmm. I think it's just briefly glanced over, but it does make sense. Yes. So at least, even if it is still techno babble, at least I understand what they are attempting to do. I gave it a three. I obviously would give the morality of it a zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Everything that happens in this episode is wrong, and they need to go back and do it again. They need to actually—they oh, they need, need another pass. Actually, Absolutely. they need to do a seven days and do this one again. Yeah, just do the whole thing different. Jordy, Picard, everybody, do it again. The phaser range on the ship is like, and transport range is like forty thousand kilometers, right? Yeah. Picard has him roll up on this fucking thing to five hundred kilometers. <laughs> Why does he need to get so close? <laughs> Everything on the ship works from farther away than that. He's gonna he's he's taken to doing his own Geordie. He goes to the observation lounge and looks out the window at whatever it is. So he wants I think to that's get it. He real wants to close. do a Geordie. <laughs> he takes his fucking yeah, even so he, could, he wouldn't be able to see it from three hundred miles away in space. He takes his fucking binoculars out there and goes, get us real close. I wanna <laughs> see it. Um World building. Ben gave it a four. Um, he says Jordy has an office. I'm sorry, are you sticking with a three? It sounded like you were going to change it. No, I'm I'm giving it a three because most okay. of the episode, I I again the morality of it's a zero, but I I was slightly entertained. All right, we're now six points apart. I'm tracking it because there is a <laughs> there's a record potentially in play. Don't worry, they're almost out of points from me. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so Ben gave it a four on world building. You said Jordy has an office. I don't even remember. Did Jordy have an office in this one? Uh, he tells her to take her phone oh, call in his office. That's right. Okay. Uh, and he says we barely needed that alien plot, which is a hundred percent true. It's not for anything. Um, somehow that was still worth a four for him, though. It's otherwise it's pretty basic stuff. Um, just a two for me. We got the Guernica system. We got this funny little space-dwelling life form. It sucks the energy out of Enterprise. The baby does, like, right through the hull somehow. Yep. Well, no, it's, the hull's pretty electrified. So we find out... We find out that 3% on the ship's main phasers is enough power to cut through the mob. Yeah. So, like, no shit when he says phasers to minimum. Minimum power. Yeah. It still kills it. Because, like, it turns out you don't need very much juice on just a living organism out in space. Yeah, it turns out it had not evolved to deal with phasers, although... It's not equipped with Dideritics-class shields or anything. It's yeah. just out there. We will talk about it. It has some weird abilities that are it's very odd to understand how they could evolve. For one thing, it does prevent the Enterprise from going to warp. <laughs> yes, that's true. 
Uh, again, no idea if this sour the milk plan is complete techno babble or if there's anything to it. It sounds like it, there's nothing to it. In terms, I didn't of, even want to look up what it might mean that all <laughs> matter in space vibrates at a frequency of twenty-one. <laughs> yes. Is that like, is that about the mean temperature of space? I don't. Is, what What are we doing? I I was the same. I was like, I'm not looking. I don't care. I don't care what that means or what they're doing. Uh, some continuity with previous engineering solutions Jordy has used and come up with, but that's not a lot to work with. So. Um, I gave it as much as a two. Um, yeah, I didn't quite know what to do with it. The definite world building thing that I would be able to take away if I understood it is again, all objects in space vibrate at the same frequency of 21 centimeters. <laughs> sure. Right. That seems like they're making a fundamental statement about the universe. Uh huh. But what does it mean? She also, says, didn't it seem didn't it seem like the ship's energy was also set to twenty one centimeters? It does. Is that intentional? It does seem like it was set exactly at twenty one when they start. Because it seems like that's where they start for sure. Yeah, he she says all you know all matter in space radiates or whatever vibrates at the same frequency, and he goes right twenty one centimeters. <laughs> yeah, that's like, bad writing. He's so matter of fact about it. I was like, oh geez, I wonder if this is a thing. Because it's like if he knows that he wouldn't say twenty one centimeters. And if he doesn't know that, well, then <laughs> he wouldn't be able to suddenly recall that it's 21 centimeters. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, because I don't know what to do with it, and because, frankly, there's not much else. We don't learn anything about first contact procedures. We barely, we don't go into any of that side of it at all. We don't really learn anything new about the design of the Enterprise. Like, all the stuff that's that she is recalling is from a previous episode. Hmm. I uh, I only gave it one. Not about the obvious strength of this episode, characterization. <laughs> well, Ben's a six. <laughs> yeah, he is. This was only one point shy of his pick of the week. Um, he says Jordy sucks with women and he can't catch a break because she's married already. But also, she doesn't know him. I think Ben might have missed the point on this one. Yeah. You know, like yeah, the writers he's, did. He's bad, but he's also unlucky too, she says. Um. Jordy, he says he does say Jordy fires back from atop his high horse, but he's just he's patently wrong. Mm-hmm. And but the writers want to us to side with him because he's a good dude and he's our guy. Yeah, but he comes, but he just comes off like a teenager. Yeah, exactly. Fumbling around with sexual ethics. But I guess yeah. he sees there's some growth because they can go have dinner in the holodeck. Um, yeah. uh, ten forward rather. Uh, no, you know what, they probably six. they probably do have dinner on the holodeck. That's my guess. I bet they do. <laughs> I bet he she has a bunch of cocoa nonos and. <laughs> And her husband by the way her <laughs> husband is like a weird specter in this episode who is calling her too much where are she you never seems she never seems happy to get one of his calls no. and definitely at the end she's given jordy vibes like if only but it's like her that sucks creep. her husband's a creep too her husband sucks too she attracts creeps it turns out <laughs> yeah um jordy sucks eggs in this one uh-huh he never gives Leah Brahms a chance to be a real person. And as Guinan points out, he really did see what he wanted to see and did not look into it and doesn't actually know her at all. Yes. He's in full creep mode from the moment she steps out of the transporter and his attempt to throw it all back in her face in the holodeck is disgusting. <laughs> um, Picard has a genuine moment of horror and sadness when the first creature dies. That's good. I like that. It's a shame we don't get to explore it. Yeah. Guinan puts up with too much of Geordi's shit. She's way too soft on him in this one. He is a lonely man, and he spends almost as much time in 10 Forward as Pulaski did when she was there. 
Yeah, my fucking theory is that she doesn't want to drive him into like a bunch of incel subreddits. She knows he's fucking on the edge, and if she's too hard on him about his dumb yeah. ideas about women, he's just gonna get radicalized. Well, we all know people like that. Yeah. Uh Troy has like a weird collection of lines they needed someone to say in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, Crusher's minimal speculation about this life form and minimal intervention seems sensible. Generally, although she is meant to be the irritating character, I think, I do find myself siding with her a lot. Sure. Most of, in, in many of the briefing room discussions and so on. Uh, but listen, the bottom line is, Jordy's been missing from a few missions since Devils Do, and I wish he'd still been on vacation here. <laughs> and, uh, I gave it a three for characterization. Not everybody was bad, but uh, they didn't really pull it up from the terrible thing that was being done. You wish he was still on vacation, maybe choosing some music to listen to before a Romulan abduction. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild how many more abductions there are in store. This idiot loves classical guitar music, too, by the way. Uh, But, but... But he loves the idea of it because he, uh, in this episode, he definitely does tell the computer doesn't matter who. Yeah, he don't care. None of this matters. Some classical guitar. I don't care who I'm trying to fuck. I'm not. This isn't music appreciation hour, so. Yeah. Well, he had one good instinct when he says, how about something by Brahms? Obviously. Fuck. Why didn't I think of that? And then as it starts up, he goes, no, that's. No, 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 no. That's, that's not. That's not like. I'm not good, definitely not going to be the first guy who's tried this move. Yep. All right. Um, well, I only gave it a two. Um, Jordy thinks he can let his guard down around Picard when he gets the Leah Brahms news. But he quickly <laughs> remembers Picard has no idea what romantic feelings are like. <laughs> and he has to get his shit under control again. And Picard's just like, okay, great. Sounds like you guys are going to have a really productive visit, I guess. Seems like you're a real good team. Um, Jordy seems... I thought he seemed reasonable in his first meetings with Brahms. Except when she's on the pad and he just goes, Hey. (laughs) That's not so good. That's not so good. When they're actually talking about the changes and stuff, he seems like he's being pretty reasonable. And she comes at him like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Real mad about everything he did. Like he did it to hurt her or something. Yeah, she's too personally invested in the ship's engines, but yeah. also so is he. Yes. Yes. But anyway, I wrote who shit in her Tarkalian tea. Um, <laughs> Jordy is the latest in a long line of bad liars in Starfleet. When she asks him how he knew that the dilithium design was going to be introduced in the next class starship, he just goes... He doesn't say, it's in the notes. He just goes, uh, I didn't. It's the next logical step. Like, Uh, you just said it, bro. You guys said it at the same time. You said the part out loud about how it was in the next starship design. Yeah. You can't then go, I I didn't know. His first date sweater makes me want to kill myself. (laughs) It's so bad. It's like... I don't know what it is. I usually like the weird casual clothes on this show. They're definitely weird and they often look bad, but I usually like them. Not that sweater. Like, Wrong color or something. It's like crushed velvet. Like it looks like it has a texture. Uh-huh. It's awful. It's like a really wide whale corduroy. Yeah. And again, the color is like a wine stain or something. It's mm-hmm. um it's not cool. 
And again, I don't know who that sweater would look good on. Nobody. There's no one who can pull that off. You could be the world's hottest fucking jacked male model slash pirate. I don't know what people are into. And you couldn't pull that sweater off. Uh, anyway, we get to see his whole date routine, him getting all set up and everything, and all that's very unfortunate. That's one of those <laughs> things I don't want to know about people. <laughs> at all. Hey, it turns out he could be published like a million times over, but he just hates writing, though. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Which also means... No one else is learning about the improvements he's making to these engines. It's going to be up to Leah Brahms to go back and to fucking write about it. Um, he, he tries to turn that hollow program around on her, and it does not seem like it should work. I've no. committed a terrible crime, Doctor. I beat it to your hollow double twice a week. <laughs> I'm guilty, okay? Like he and yes, your whole office is covered with it. <laughs> so what? Shame on me, I guess. Yes, right. Wow, I'm guilty. He's honestly lucky she's not like she's not right in the head, and she wants to be his friend after that because he's he's like a less charming version of the Tim Robinson sketch with the guy in the hot dog suit. <laughs> we all want to know who did it. We're all just trying to figure out who drove the car through the window. And I guess I'll take all these suits? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the one. You talked about Kentaro earlier. I really need season two to come come along soon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for that, be. too, for sure. Um, Guinan is immediately all over Jordy in this conversation in the teaser. She says, so you met a computer simulated female? Yeah, full of judgment. <laughs> it's like, yep, you got him. Worf, Worf wants to raise the shields when they first meet the alien and it starts doing radiation stuff, but he gets crapped on. Yep. <laughs> and then the second time he's shot down in the conference room, he looks so agitated. And it was a good small touch. He does the thing where he tightens his jaw and kind of moves his head around. Mm-hmm. He like, doesn't say, why do we even have a security <laughs> officer on this ship? <laughs> no one fucking uh, listens why, why to me. Why do you me. have me in these fucking briefings? And that's why I thought it was so great when he reports that they're changing color. Because it's like, he's just trying to make an impact. He's just desperate to do something out there. And no one's going to let him. They won't let him play. No. Um... That's the best line in uh, maybe this whole season of TNG. <laughs> they're changing color. That may be the best line since, uh... You'd be standing in the fire? Uh, <laughs> You'd be standing <laughs> in the fire was one. really good. What happened if one of these uh, what's-its went off when I was under it? You'd be standing in the fire. I just went, oh, shit! <laughs> Worf was all over uh, that old Irish I mean, fuck. I was thinking, well, they say you're from Novacron, oh, yeah, my all-time yeah, yeah. favorite. That is a good one. Uh, or maybe, maybe any of the Jordy lines where he seems like a real person, but yeah. Yeah. Not the ones where he walks into the middle of space court and goes, hi, Data. <laughs> I mean, I did like that. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's just two buddies hanging out. We're not in the middle of anything. It's cool. It's like he fucking knows that worst case, everyone fucking beams up and leaves. <laughs> it's true. These people are just fucked. Uh, Picard really archered up this exploration mission. Refuses yeah. to take any precaution. And then when it goes bad, he kills the new life form. And then again, 
they make the baby come out and he goes, so we're good? We're all done here? And then just wants to leave. Troy emphatically says it was right to shoot the alien. You should have shot it. <laughs> I would have shot it sooner. So you're better than me. She's, uh, it's a real Spock moment. I wondered Where... if she was being controlled by an alien presence again this week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Always a question. <laughs> happens a lot. I'm going to say the Cytherians because I don't remember the name of the actual people, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, right. They're fucking back in her, but they've learned not to do the deep voice this time. <laughs> yeah, they're not giving the Chancellor Valorum voice anymore. Ah, uh, yeah, so yeah, just uh, a two for me. I didn't really feel like anyone was on their game, except for Worf, who tried but couldn't get anything accomplished. Well, but maybe you have some extra thoughts that you haven't said yet. I do, but let's hit Ben's first. He says he forgot that Guinan also says everyone falls in love with a fantasy now and then. I don't think she was specifically talking about the holodeck. I think she was allowing for inclusion of the holodeck. It's not like when yeah. TP just goes, everybody falls in love on the holodeck. <laughs> like, exactly. Mm -hmm, I don't know. And he says uh, he was hoping that there would be more hollow Brahms, and he thinks maybe she's one more reason they thought Voyager's EMH would work as a character. Now, Ben, you have to write it in and let us know. Is that just because you like her hair up? Mm, yeah, he's like Jordy. He's like, why did you change your hair? Um, and her response to that, by the way, is not, oh, God, do you have some of my hair? <laughs> That's right. Did you uh, use my transporter pattern and uh, make some of my hair? Oh, God. And then she'd follow it through its logical conclusion. There's three of me in your quarters. <laughs> oh, no. You've been using the transporter. Well, God, do you feed them or do you just let them die and make new ones? <laughs> and he goes, well, have you seen The Prestige? <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. You can't watch The Prestige anymore. Um, I guess that's only a sideshow. I'm 90% sure I've spoiled that aspect of The Prestige <laughs> in f up to 50 conversations <laughs> about the transporter. Oh, this fucking... CGI on that alien birth sucked extremely hard. <laughs> it was so bad. It looked, like, it looked like some clip art badly like clashing. <laughs> it was very bad. It was very amateur. And they, and they chose to have it come out of an actual physical model. Just... It could not have been worse. That's such a bad decision. I don't know how it looked on our 13 inch TV in our bedroom when we were kids but it looked like shit when I watched it the other day. Do you suppose there was a draft of this script that went, I thought you knew. I mean, you seem to know everything else about me. I'm gay. <laughs> that would have been way better. There's some angry fucking uh, Star Trek writer who barked up the wrong tree or whatever and was like, these, oh, these <laughs> fucking bitches out here. <laughs> And then they, and then half, half the time they turn out to be lesbians. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, man, what, what's happening? To you? And then they got a network note. They're like, no, you know, you can't put a gay on TV. Stop it. Yeah, that's probably what would have happened. Um. Oh, Jordy, how can you say? Just rifle through the computer and look for whatever files you want. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have put sex broms behind a real good password. Again, I am talking Merle level encryption. The kind that apparently does not keep Judah out of my notes. So better than that. <laughs> yeah. You need the good shit or he's going to be cracking all your good Cisco <laughs> jokes. Honestly, his last <laughs> chance was to walk into that open program that she's in and act like he's not ashamed at all. And just uh -huh. be like, 
oh good you found the program yeah and then all when, right you're here when she's like why is she coming on to me he'd have and to then go he, then he would say yeah she's not very much like you huh <laughs> the computer did a pretty bad job yeah he'd have to go Oh, that? No, I have nothing to do with that. The computer oh, decided to add a personality? I don't know. I have it turned off most of ever, the time. Do you ever hear about this guy, Quineros, Kinier- who hangs out with these binars? <laughs> they did a real fuck up. They did something, and our computer is so horny. <laughs> it's the wildest thing. I have it turned off all the time. I don't even know. Why did you even turn it on? Yeah. You know you can make her disappear, right? That was like his only shot, and instead he goes yeah. for the crazy sarcasm well it turns out it works because because it did i don't know yeah instead he makes a fucking oh shit face and stumbles in when he enters the holodeck uh wharf trying his best out there every day just give him whatever readout he has <laughs> they're changing color i know man listen i don't got nothing about these guys but i did i saw with my eyes that they became green so <laughs> my panel. i'm gonna let you know i feel like that's my job in this situation is to monitor and let you know honestly my panel's trash right now we can't detect anything in this system and so i'm just looking at the view screen and no one else uh, was so I, I gotta be honest it's still set up for surgery and i don't know how to change it back <laughs> i'm kind of embarrassed honestly oh, right now it doesn't matter because we don't have enough power to shoot anymore but like someone's gonna need to come back in here and fix it before is, we get into a fight this is the same fucking thing that happens to him in parallel he has another three <laughs> years to learn how to change that thing back to the mode that he likes and he doesn't learn it nope it's very embarrassing and fucking jordy dies anyway jordy again yeah. Riker has to fucking vault over the handrail to fix it mm-hmm. um I like that Jordy thinks the computer should have volunteered that Brahms is married. Like, uh-huh. how would that work? Are you sure? Hey, Jordy, the computer, you did not tell the computer to write you a fuck program. <laughs> yeah. It just happened. Like, what would have, the computer would be like, are you sure you want to get it in, Commander? This lady's married. And if you wish to read the Bible, Commander. <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why would that ever have happened? <laughs> it wouldn't know to tell him that. <laughs> oh fuck that'd be good though <laughs> unless it was really worried about the, the morality of what he was worried doing. about all his sins yeah. <sighs> and then he'd go i would <laughs> oh man it'd be great if he had a moment of realization like in the space olympic songs where as the narrator stares death <laughs> in the face he knows his sins will send him to hell <laughs> That's it for me. Those are my quick ones. Oh, yeah. I got a few more. Do it. Um, is Picard surprised at the beginning about Jordy's excitement because he hates bureaucrats and thinky types? Or does he know Jordy's whole story and he's subtly trying to signal to Jordy that he's heading for danger? <laughs> I don't know. I wish I could believe the latter, but you know it's... That comment that Maxwell made about how his office smells like a bureaucrat's office, I think, is really stuck with him. Well, Picard's thinking about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, just coming to spy on us. And he's like, Maxwell is a bad guy because when he let him keep his sword, he went off after some more Cardassians, <laughs> and that ain't cool. Yep. But, but he had a point about those bureaucrats. But am I, have I become too much of a bureaucrat? But I like to so say, like, that girl engineer that we'll never see again. She knows about that file. Mm. She Was she playing it real cool or has she seen it? And therefore, 
does everyone know lower deck style does everyone know about it uh, even picard barclay's hologram program hol- holodeck program does everybody know uh like that well the whole you think Riker didn't tell anybody about that oh that's what i'm saying so like as another example like barclay's program that everyone just talks about out loud oh yeah 100 percent. yeah i assume it's like that i assume everyone knows about this program and everyone just talks about it i mean he well, talks again, about it he's just in there 100 we know that wesley knew about it uh-huh. now he's not on the ship anymore but did he keep it to himself i mean he's just in there talking to guy about it yeah he's not even sorry about it everyone knows about this thing yeah uh it's a big yuck from me to whoever wrote computer simulated female over and over <laughs> Like, I get that in this place, in this case, she is not a person. You're right. But, you know. Uh, make sure to put her in a power suit so everyone will know she's an ice queen. Uh, that That's the director probably said that. That's my theory. Yeah. Because she's got a real power suit on, in this one. Yeah, it's a high collar, big shoulders. She's working the whole business. The ship loudly announces a radiation warning. And then Riker calls down to Crusher and tells her to initiate radiation protocol. Mm-hmm. Does she need him to give that order or? It could be. It. Seems like the chief medical officer should be able to initiate radiation protocol as soon as the ship starts spouting off about it. Either that or she just humors him. She knows he's going to call after that announcement. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. Like Nurse Ogawa's already gathering her shit <laughs> and she's like, are you coming? Crusher holds one finger up and then she nods as Riker calls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about a glass cannon. This creature can prevent shield, impulse, and warp functionality in a starship, but one minimum power phaser shot entirely kills it. Yeah. What good were all of those defenses? It turns out all the force lightning and everything isn't that great if you can just be fucking blasted like that. Yeah, this seems definitely more like a creature that should have, like, slammed up against other ones in space to fight for dominance and whipped its tail at him and stuff. It had a big old Not tail. Not a creature that should have shoot, shot lightning. Yeah. I guess no one needed Jordy to deal with the fallout from the radiation or like fix the ship's systems because it sure seems like he had his little dinner date in between the creature's death and data figuring out, I don't know, eight minutes later that it was pregnant. Yeah. Like that's where they put it in the show. Yes. And again, that's a problem with the B plot not needing to exist for any reason except to make them work together. Yeah. Because so you're like, where do you put all this? Because the A plot is, um, it's most of the script. Yeah. Uh, keep poking in that direction, Leah. Why doesn't he know you're married? What has he been studying? You're so close. <laughs> it's right. You'll figure it out. You're so close. You'll figure it out if your husband stops calling you. Uh, I hate, just make it clear, I hate people who argue like this. Uh, you can storm out, Jordy, but it doesn't make you not an asshole. Yes. I think that's right. Even though, he's, even though he's committed the worst crime that you ever could, <laughs> which is reaching out to someone. Uh-huh. Trying to make a connection. No, you created a <laughs> weird computer simulation of me that you fuck. That's worse. It's such a wild... You understand that that's what I'm mad about, right? You Oh, God, you understand that, right? His strategy's so wild. It's just the, it's the best strategy that anyone's ever come up with, it turns out. <laughs> it is a strategy that assholes often employ. Yeah. <sighs> best actor, Guinan. Uh, worst actor, Riker just spends this whole one smirking in his chair. Yeah. They've really given up on his character. I mean... Did he direct it? What's happening? They barely gave him anything to do last week in First Contact, and he was so smart in season... It doesn't matter. Did he direct this, or was it a jort joint? 
Oh, that's a good question. Memory Alpha <laughs> Galaxy. Because sometimes when he it was not a jort joint, because he wasn't, he didn't exist in Star Trek yet. Sometimes when Riker throws up a one-liner, I go, oh, maybe he was directing. Uh, Winrich Rick Kolbe. Okay, well that's uh, obviously a pseudonym. <laughs> uh, the Dutchman who. <laughs> Uh, which episodes did he direct? Uh, he directed 16 TNGs. Let's put that into a fucking anagram machine and let's see what pops back out. Because I don't think that's a name. Uh, he directed uh, Where Silence Has Lease, Pen Pals, Up the Long Ladder, Evolution, The Bonding, Allegiance, Galaxy's Child. He has gone on to direct some others, including the episode Everyone Loves Darmok and The Closer, All Good Things, and most of the other ones he directed I don't like. Well. Man of the People. Ooh, that's a bad one. Rightful Heir. That's not great. Thine Own Self. He's a nice man. He's a nice man. Uh, Birthright Part 1, but they brought someone else in for Part 2, I guess. <laughs> Bro, we're still going to have to see the episode where he's an Iceman. Uh, you said at yeah, the beginning man? of this episode that we're more Jayden? than halfway through, but I still think the heaviest burden is ahead. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of fucking wild episodes. Like Man of the People that we haven't seen yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, also uh, 13 DS9s, 18 Voyagers, and an Enterprise. This dude was a regular. Though I don't think that's his name. This is a real lone scum situation. Well, I'm sure he's, you know, he was he's a German national born in the Netherlands during World War II. So it's definitely not pronounced the way I said it. <laughs> like I said, it's a lone scum situation, which is the name that I know Elon Musk is hiding from. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a careful anagram. <laughs> he, he can hide all he wants. I know it, though. I'm going to I'm going to make sure everyone knows. <sighs> well, we did one. Yeah, this was um, it was kind of a hard one. These weren't good episodes at all. It's a tough week. Um, listen, last place this week was Voyager again. No, uh, just by two points. They just missed it by two points. Um, I gave him. I gave it a six. You gave it a ten. Every week they got to go first. Yeah, I got a total of one for world building. So we'll be talking about them first again next time. Uh third place this week with a great great 18 points tng galaxy's child yeah we did end up six apart on this one we were six apart on that one second place with 22 points a miserable second place score mm-hmm. enterprise the enar we both gave it 11 and the winner this week with 28 points All right. three below the series average oh. actually the series average has now dipped under 30 because of this week <laughs> That's uh, 29.98. So if two points below the series average, the winner this week is Deep Space Nine Hard Time. That's Deep Space Nine's 28th win. They're now only seven behind the next generation. Yeah, they're hanging in there. Oh, don't worry. I'm already going back to see if there's ever been one that was a 28 that won the week. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, a 27 one. Oh, That's shit. a row in the column up top. Oh, uh, yeah, it was the backdoor pilot assignment Earth. <laughs> it was a bad what a week. trash week that must have been it was a bad week it was a week where there was apparently a ds9 episode called fascination that got both a zero in premise and execution from us so oh we must have both we both no oh, wait it. wait you don't you don't give us automatic zero for a no take so it earned your yes. zero at least it was not an automatic zero but they got the fucking zero 
Fuck me. What week was that? Oh, uh, that was week 59. Uh, you know what? E- I know, uh, easy, easier than looking at my notes, I can just do memory alpha. Well, Fascination. Fif- 55. Uh, <laughs> Loxana Troy visits oh, the God. station to attend the Bajoran Gratitude oh, no. Festival, <laughs> the resulting in an outbreak of passion. Era. Throughout the station, as people admit their secret feelings for others. That's right. The take in that, I'm sure for both of us, was going to be nothing or it's what everyone really wanted. Yep. (laughs) That's what they tell us at the end of each of those episodes. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Deep Space Nine notches what must mathematically be the second worst win of all time this week. Look at Um, your average score this week. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, 8.75. I had previously confirmed when it looked like this week was a real stinker that... uh, my my lowest week before this was uh like a ten point four. <laughs> so eight point seven five is a real big step down from that. So it blew it out of the fucking water. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, it's an average of twenty one. And if we've had worse scores than that, I do want to know what week that was. Was it week fifty five? <laughs> yeah, right. Let's see. No. Uh, we had. No, nah, it doesn't matter. We have not had a score worse than twenty. <laughs> yeah, we had a twenty-three in week seventy-seven, and week fifty-five was twenty-two point four. Yeah, and sixty-six was so, like twenty-two. Yeah. Yep. And you know it had one. That's because it had one more t- uh, twenty-seven. <laughs> that twenty-seven had a twenty-six and two twenty-fours alongside it. So. Oh boy. Bad week. Well, that was a stink week, and um, listen, it ain't gonna start great. Because <laughs> here are the episodes we're going to... Here's week 90. Here's uh, what we have to look forward to for week 90. Okay. Number one, TNG, Night Terrors. Where are you? Yeah, one moon circles. That's... Troy's mad that her stunt double's got a big butt, <laughs> but is that a lie? It's definitely... It's 100% a lie. That's her butt. Uh, so we'll see if that's real good. It's kind of TNG's first horror episode. Deep Space Nine, Shattered Mirror. Here comes the Mirror Universe. It's still here. It's back. It's Just back. Who will Cisco fuck this week? It's back. It's on the rag and it's ovulating. That's exactly right. That's 100% right. Yep. Voyager, Living Witness. Oh. I understand that oh. we're almost at Silver Blood, but Living Witness is next. Um, I know this one. It's one where some scientists get the very right idea in the future that Voyager was an evil pirate ship. And they revive the EMH, and he tries to defend Voyager's legacy. And the whole time, I think you just go, "Nah, you're wrong, though. They're pirates. Hey, that sounds awful. It's not going to be good. That's three. Okay, what's the fourth? Affliction. Phlox is going to have to help the Klingons figure out their new mystery element that's giving everyone forehead ridges. No! Oh boy! No wait, it's removing. It's taking everyone's forehead ridges away, yes. so that they can come back later. Right? Hey, uh, hey, next week could challenge this week. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. listen, could could next week score lower than a twenty-one total? Oh boy! Oh, it's going to be exciting to find out. But listen, before we can get to there, in between here and there, don't say it. We have another project that we're doing. Oh, God. And we have to watch a movie this week and talk about it for next week's podcast. That movie. Yes, that movie is Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Cool. Backstroke of the West, everybody. Backstroke of the West. Game time started. Can we get through 
the 20 minute opening scene. <laughs> well, the, I'll get through it because I'll remember all the things that he says about how we are for the big. We are for the big. That's going to get me through it. I don't know about everyone at home if they'd be able to do that. That's what we're doing next week. Episode three, oh, Revenge of the Sith. Really? Then all these bad episodes of Star Trek the week after that. Then more Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> hey, why don't we just not um, ever do anything ever again? Yeah. Let's just quit everything. It's going to be a rough one, everybody, but bear with us. We're we're going to see the light soon. Yes, we do have two mirror episodes of Enterprise to get through. Oh, yeah, we do. Huh? But week 97 will be the last week of Enterprise, and then we'll only have to watch three. We're coming up on it week 90, two weeks from now. Tell them how they can get in touch with us. Everybody send us mail so that we have the will to continue. Your mail will keep us going. Uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Brothersofbrotherdate.com if you want to email us. Um, you can go to brotherdate.com. Check out Landrew's uh, b- brand new field of red that we just put in. <laughs> um, and you can check out the Billy Joel bracket and all that business. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes and um, Stitcher and Spotify and fucking all the podcatchers, all that good business. That's it. That's it, everybody. Let's perp. I'm not doing the project anymore. You, the <laughs> integrity of my notes has been fucking compromised over and over and over again. I changed my password again this week. I'm talking about Merle level <laughs> encryption. <laughs> And you still found a way through to steal my cool WebEx joke. Please subscribe.